Battlefield will come back in an entirely new way, says Andrew Wilson, the CEO of EA. In their most recent investors report, they say that the franchise is still a meaningful part of EA's future. Andrew Wilson acknowledges that Battlefield 2042 had its issues. No shit. And that he takes ownership for and will be helping build the game for the future. Now, they have no dates to announce for a future Battlefield game, but he went out of his way to tell people that he has extraordinary confidence in the team working on Battlefield. But given that he's speaking to investors, there's no way to know if he's actually being factual here. But despite the critical reception that Battlefield 2042 received, they're not giving up on it yet. And last thing, Andrew, if you're listening, I'm a big fan of Battlefield and I've loved it since the beginning all the way up to Battlefield 1. If you need help figuring out why Battlefield is not as celebrated as it once was, give me a call. But here's advice to every major brand that's out there that keeps falling off. If you're Halo, if you're Call of Duty, if you're Battlefield, you need to maintain what made you special in the first place and don't try to become the other first-person shooters. Battlefield has always been about big team class-based battles, open combat, on foot, and in vehicles, and the spectacle of a war zone. It's not Call of Duty, it's not Fortnite. If you attempt to make it like that, you're betraying your fan base. Just think about it. Let me know what you think in the comments below. What's going on, guys, and welcome to episode 187 of the TastyCast, our weekly podcast where we talk about all things gaming. In this episode, we cover Overwatch's PvE getting canceled. That's right, canceled. We discussed that. We watched the teaser trailer to the Five Nights at Freddy's movie, Silica. We watch a, a video on that. It's an RTS and a first-person shooter. Then we also watch more bug shooting with Starship Troopers Extermination. Then we watch a video on the Street Fighter VI official open beta hub trailer they gave us an overview on what they're going to be offering with that then we watch a video on diablo 4 and its story uh, it's a behind the scenes video it's very informative of the story going into it and their thought process on that we also talk about the games we've been playing one of them including uh age of wonders 4 which if you're curious about that i have a lot to say about that game and then of course we read you guys' comments and reply to them so uh, hopefully you guys enjoy this episode, and if you do, make sure to hit the like button. It helps us out a lot. Subscribe if you're brand new. Share it with your friends, and uh, yeah, enjoy. What's going on, guys? Welcome to episode 187 of the Taste Cast, our weekly podcast where we talk all things gaming. My name's Seth, and joining me today, of course, is Chevy. Chevy, how are you doing? Doing pretty good. All right. Love to hear it. I'm not doing pretty good myself because uh, I've been scouting the internet looking for things to talk about, and I've I got plenty of things to talk about for this Taste Cast, finally, uh, but I think you actually uh, set me straight on this. I was wondering for like the last one to two weeks where's all the gaming news and uh you were like it's probably because they're getting ready for all the the big reveals at um uh well not e3 because that got canceled but the the week that would be e3 yeah yeah, all the events and then i remember that june 8th is uh summer game fest where i think jeff keely's got like 40 people uh 40 different uh, companies partnered with them and uh now makes sense but um you know, that's going to be exciting. Well, we'll definitely be doing videos or live streams with that. But man, finding things to talk about gaming wise is so fucking annoying right now. So it's always really kind of a drought uh, before and after uh, all the big events. Um, but uh, but yeah, looking forward to those. Uh, otherwise, um, I'm doing pretty good in, in the physical realm, how I'm doing, you know, all that stuff. So anyway, uh, we got stuff to talk about this episode. We got a lot of videos to watch, a lot of random things dropped recently. But before we jump into what we've been playing, um, you have actually brought up to me that uh, Overwatch 2 
uh, had a PVE mode that's supposed to come out, and apparently it got canceled. Now, I've been following Overwatch 2 since it released and hearing a lot of the stuff that happened there. Now, I, I assume a lot of people are really enjoying it because I don't hear anything about it anymore. But um, I remember them talking about the PVE mode. Uh, so apparently that got canceled. And uh, I figure we should at least discuss it. Now, I think it's fair to mention that neither of us play Overwatch 2. Um, and if there was something I was looking forward to with Overwatch 2 is probably this PvE mode, because I thought that sounded interesting. From my understanding, before it got canceled, I think they were going to do a separate progression system uh, with the PvE mode, um, which would have been huge. But apparently, that's not going to be a thing. So we're going to go into this article real quick, talk about it uh, from the perspective of two people who are not currently playing Overwatch 2. So, you know, take that for what you will. And if you're not interested in hearing that, skip forward. Um, but yeah, this is via IGN. It says Overwatch 2 PvE Hero Mode canceled a difficult choice. Uh, it says Blizzard has officially scrapped Overwatch's, Overwatch 2's long-awaited PvE Hero Mode but the game's creative leads are assuring fans that PvE is still a focus for the game moving forward. Very interesting. On a Twitch stream detailing Overwatch 2's content roadmap, executive producer Jared Noose uh, explained the decision to cut PvE content. In quotes, it says, uh, development on the PvE experience has not really, has not really hasn't made the progress that we have hoped. Did I read that correctly? Is that, is that how it's written? Okay, anyway. News said the team has created a bunch of amazing content, so there's awesome missions that are really exciting. There's brand new enemies that are super fun to fight and some truly great and ridiculous hero talents, but unfortunately, the effort required to pull all of that together into a Blizzard quality experience that we can ship to you is huge, and there really is no end in sight to uh, or defined kind of end date where we can put that out into the world. Continues to say, uh, and so we are left with another difficult choice. Do we continue to pour all that effort into PVE, hoping we can land it at some point in the future, or do we stick with this set of values that we have aligned on and focus on the live game and focus on serving all of you? With everything we have learned about what it takes to operate this game at the level that you deserve, it's clear that we can't deliver on that original vision for PVE that is shown in 2019. What that means is that we won't be delivering that dedicated hero mode with talent trees, that long-term uh, talent power progression. Those things are just not in our plans anymore, and we know that this is going to be disappointing to many of you, which is why we wanted to bring it up before we talk about the roadmap. And to be perfectly honest, it's been really difficult for many of us and a lot of folks on the team that pour their heart and soul into that stuff. Now, this continues to talk about other big changes coming to Overwatch 2, but this is mainly the thing that we were going to talk about. Um, and before I talk about our, well, my opinion on it at least, uh, I do think it's really interesting how just straight up transparent they were about it to the point where they're detailing what they had planned to do and that they straight up were just like, nah, we can't put the resources into this. Like they had the choice, obviously, but they decided not to because they want to support the live game um, being, you know, the game that's out now. Um, so what, what, do, what are your thoughts on this? Um, <clears throat> excuse me. So I know um, a lot of those visions were made uh, back when the previous guy was uh, in charge of Overwatch still. Um, Kaplan? Something Kaplan? Something like that, yeah. yeah. Um, and I know uh, for a lot of people, it was a you know appealing prospect. Um, 
I know something that was uh, asked for, you know, in previous uh, during like Overwatch one and stuff. Yeah, I uh, actually wanted that from the last game. Um, and I remember they showed off like example, like talent trees and stuff like that or something. Um, I didn't watch it when it came out. I just saw clips of it today when this dropped. So, um, I'm sure, uh, you know, like they said, uh, it's kind of hard to, to bring that up to, to drop that news on people, uh, and make that decision. But you know, they made this announcement four years ago and there's been like no progress. So it does seem like they kind of, uh, stretched themselves too thin for, uh, what their ideas were. I, is that necessarily the right decision? I mean, I don't know. I'm not part of that community, but, uh, I do think it is kind of unfortunate to have made, you know, effectively these promises four years ago and um and now you know coming out because i know like they rushed releasing the game just so because they had announced it kind of early they wanted to get into people's hands like well the pv will come later get the pvp now part um so yeah it just seems like they're kind of struggling um with aspects of uh, of watch 2's development um and they want to hone in and just kind of focus on what Overwatch has been for them mm-hmm. um, and just kind of stick to it. So, Yeah, it's kind of crazy to think that they over-promised. They bit off more than they could chew, it sounds like. Um, I'm sure they could handle it, but mm-hmm. the way they're talking about it right here, it sounds they're cho- like they're choosing not to handle it, and that's pretty disappointing. Um, you kind of brought up a, a big... Uh, question in my mind uh, as you know we don't really play the game currently that you know how will this affect the community how many people were looking forward to a pve experience uh how many people are playing right now waiting for that and not getting that or are there people who are just like straight not interested in that because a lot of times when i talk to people who play uh competitive shooters um they typically are either on one side or the other of that fence. They either want that single player or PVE experience, or they don't care at all. Mm. They're there for the PVP. And so I'm curious about how many people were actually hoping for that. Uh, Given that the amount of people play Overwatch, but let alone like Blizzard games is pretty vast. I think a lot of those people might have actually wanted that PvE mode. Uh, I could see myself playing that. I actually was really curious about that. That was the most intriguing thing about Overwatch 2 to me personally when they announced it was that they were going to have a progression system and a PvE mode. Um, that really would have been a huge change to um, you know what we get with the PvP, especially in a game that has so much lore to it. I think it really would have lended itself to some kind of cooperative mode with progression and storytelling, stuff like that. Um, so for me, a person who doesn't play the game, it's pretty disappointing. Um, so I'm really curious about how the the community uh, is taking this. Um, so if you're one of those people, let us know in the comments what you think of this. Um, I think it's kind of crazy how, like, the way they described it in this, you know, when they're talking about this, they, like, talked about it in detail. They make it, it sound cool. It's weird how much they built it up. Like, oh, this PvE mode was going to have this, 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 and this, and this. But we're not going to do it. Yeah, I mean, it was a, <clears throat> a BlizzCon thing, I believe. So Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't think it says it in there. But yeah, probably. Um, but yeah, it's kind of it's kind of shitty. The way they just, like built it up 
and went like, you know what, we're not going to do it. But as much as I think it's disappointing, as much as I think um, it sucks that they made that decision and that they, you know, feel like they can't do it. I don't know what's going on behind the scenes. I don't know, uh, you know, if they literally just cannot do it. And, you know, like you said, last guy uh, made that decision. Now they're, you know, with new leadership going like, we can't do this. Um, and so maybe this is just like straight up how it is and they can't do it. Um, and if I was in their shoes, I would 100% only focus on what you already have mm-hmm. to make that better, especially with the rough launch that it had uh, with some of the criticisms I've heard of it. Some of the balance issues I've heard about it. Um, they got to make sure that it is a successful and viable game for long term. Um so you gotta you gotta maintain that. You can't uh, you know start working on other projects if you don't even have that going fully. Even though um, I have people I trust in my you know personal life telling me that it's pretty fun Overwatch Two. So um, I haven't played it myself, but uh, I've heard decent things. I just know I had some problems, and every once in a while I read about issues um, rising up out of out of the community and balancing and microtransaction stuff. I think I read about, um, and so. Yeah, it, it makes sense why they're making the decision, but uh, it sucks. I think it's a it's a that is a disappointing situation in my opinion. But uh, I would love to know what people who actually play the game or potentially wanted to play the game for this think about it. Um, so yeah, kind of sucks. Got anything else you want to throw up there? All right, well, let us know in the comments what you guys think about the PvE mode, hero mode, in Overwatch 2 being canceled straight up. Um, Do you think it's the right move? Do you think it's the wrong move? Are you disappointed, but you understand where they're coming from? Or are you straight up like, no, dude, that sucks. Like, you should have committed to that. Um, Let us know what you think in the comments below when it comes to Overwatch 2 and that hero mode that does not exist anymore. Um, all right, so let's jump into what we've been playing. We're talking about what we've been playing. Chevy, how about you start us off with what you've been playing in like the last week or so? Okay, um, I'll get the easy one out of the way. Uh, I've been playing Omega Strikers almost every day. Um, I hop on, it has daily, weekly, and seasonal missions. I hop on, try to do my dailies, and maybe work towards the weekly and seasonals. Um, I mean, I've been having a lot of fun with it. I got Chris to play with me a little bit. Um, you know, one day, uh, I wasn't sure how he would respond to it, but I do know he, speaking of um, a competitive game, he does play Overwatch 2, so mm-hmm. um, I know he It'd can. Be great to have on the show. But, uh, so, I I was like, oh, you know, if I can get him to try it, maybe he'll like it, and if not, whatever, at least try it, right? Um, he ended up playing with me all day, so um, I assume he liked it, or he was just really being nice and just humoring me for an entire Mace day really enjoyed so, the social interaction with you maybe he uh i don't get to it he uh went through some stuff and, you know took, but he's fine but he's fine yeah uh yeah uh if you haven't played mega strikers it is like uh air hockey meets moba-esque uh hero mechanics so yeah it's it's like a brawler yeah, um, you know, has cooldowns and a and a and a, a super meter and stuff like that. You have to keep track of, but uh, it's it's a lot of fun. It's uh, definitely kind of a good like 
hey, I just want to kind of play a couple rounds of something kind of thing. I don't really have games like that a lot of times, so it's been kind of nice for that for me. Um, I tend to sit down and play very long games, which I will get to uh, uh, here pretty shortly. But um, they did release two new characters or are releasing them really soon, so I'm interested to check those out. And if you do play, um, and I've forgotten her name now, but uh, I main the uh, witch girl who does like party buffs and debuffs for the opposite party and then has a like giant uh, attack that kind of grows and then travels in a straight line across the field. Um, and I will play her usually as goalie or striker. So um, I think she kind of does both pretty well, at least for me. So yeah, I don't think I've tried her. I haven't unlocked her yet. <clears throat> uh, what I will say is most people play um, the characters that, you know, you start with, obviously, so like Juliet and uh, Dubu. Uh, and I can't remember the main guy's name, the jackets that's kind of just hanging on his shoulders or whatever. Mm -hmm. They get played quite a bit, but uh, out of characters that are purchased, I have seen a lot of people, they do play the, the one I play. Uh, the slime girl gets played a lot. And then the, um, can't remember his name, but he's wearing glasses and has like a weird like hook thing. I've been seeing that one a lot more lately. So, oh yeah, yeah. Um, you're talking about. Wish I could remember the names. I can't remember people's names in real life though. So, mm -hmm. so a uh, tough one for me, but yeah, it's a fun game. Um, it's on everything, cross play, cross, uh, progression, including mobile. So, uh, check it out. Uh, except for on, if you have a, uh, Z fold. Uh, the foldable Android phone because I can't play it on my phone. Right. Which is annoying. Yeah. It's a, and I assume it has to do with the fact that the type of phone it is. Yeah. So. Even though other games have done a really good job at like working with the resolution. I know yeah. like when it's folded, uh, the resolution's weirder because it's like a thin screen. It's like a chocolate yeah, yeah. bar. But uh, like once unfolded, it's just like playing on a tablet at that point, like smaller tablets. I'm surprised they didn't at least format it for that. Well, it might not have a tablet mode. Yeah, maybe. I mean, I don't know. I'm I, sure. I'm sure they'll fix it. They'll they'll update it. But uh, not that I'm looking forward to playing it on my phone anyway. But I wanted to try yeah, it out. I played it on my phone and I hated it. But <laughs> yeah. I don't like touch controls, so um, it played just fine. I just without the the feedback of a joystick, I I have no idea where I'm running half the time. So, well, in my head, I'm thinking if it has cross progression, you play it how you want to play it, whether it's on console mm. or PC. But then if you're out and about and you want to do your daily or something, it'd be a really easy way to do it. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Um, but I mean, you can also do it on Switch if you're, you know, the type of person who doesn't mind taking Switch places. So, mm -hmm. um, let's see what else. I, uh, I played and finally beat Star Ocean, the Divine Force. Uh, it's a fun game, uh, though I do think it is for pretty hardcore RPG fans because I don't think your average person is going to enjoy the game. The story is okay. It's not great. It's not bad. It's okay. Serviceable. Um, it has multiple endings, but none of them are really that deep. Uh, it's just kind of a, like, after the, the ending, your relationship with X person, you know, here or there type of thing. Um and they all kind of are the same, but uh, the gameplay is was pretty good. the The length of the game is is pretty good, though. I do feel storyline wise, you fight the same bosses sometimes, 
multiple times, uh, which I did find a little annoying. <clears throat> and then uh, there's a lot of characters in the game, and you can't just like settle in and be like, I'm going to play these four characters all the time because there's multiple times in the story where characters are taken from you and then returned to you later. And so those situations you have to like round out your team pretty often. Um, And one case, your entire team split apart and you're one person and you have to find them uh, and they could be in any order. So um, that happens in so many JRPGs. Yeah. They like take somebody. uh, I'm sure there's like trying to force you into variety, Mm. but like uh, when I was playing um, Tales of Arise, there's a couple parts where like you just lose party members yeah. and i'm like god damn it dude i was using that person yeah or it'll be like this person's gonna stick around to help someone uh go do what you gotta do and come back and get me type of thing you know mm-hmm. um <clears throat> yeah but overall it's a fun game i don't think it's a, a main priority unless you're just looking for another game to play but um it, you know it's fine i uh i would probably give it a b minus I think a B minus is pretty fair. I almost want to say C plus, but I think it's a little Jesus. harsh. So yeah, that sounds pretty low to me. If it was C plus, B minus is respectable, but I haven't played it. That that depends on obviously how you you look at you know grading systems. People mm-hmm. see anything under a you know an eight out of ten, and they just assume it's a bad game. And I my brain doesn't work that way. So um, yeah, don't get me started on that system. Yeah. So yeah, I'm gonna go with B minus. I d- I do think it has more positive negatives it does have some stuff i think they could work on in uh future games but i don't know how often trice is making games either so like i don't know uh true yeah yeah. i haven't heard that name in a while Mm. Uh, and then i started uh ghostwire tokyo oh yeah uh that game is visually uh, a lot of fun it's not like the best graphics ever but the visual um direction is fantastic um, I love the effects and the the room warping and stuff like that that happens in that game. The uh, unapologetic, just like you know, Japanese references that they don't really go through a lot of explanation for, so you kind of have to know it. Um, it's a very Japanese game. Yeah, I I I love it. You know, you run into like yokai and oni and stuff like that um, while you're wandering through. I think it's Shibuya. Uh, through these events that are happening in the game, the uh, weapon being uh, basically like, I guess, key blasts of sorts uh, through different elemental cycles with your hands, I think is a fun take on a gun. Um, I don't think combat's super challenging, it's the, but it's the closest thing to a modern day like Hexen. Yeah, I think it's a good way to word it for sure. Which is weird. Um, I also kind of like that. You know, it has a finishing mechanic uh, where you rip their, their cores out with uh, like a, a energy bungee, uh, you know, uh, cord basically. Uh, and that'll give you like quick victories, but you can be interrupted and then they'll heal up and you hit them again. You can just shoot them to death, but you get uh, more ammo if you actually manage to, you know, break their cores instead. Um, there's like multiple skill trees, which I was not expecting. Uh, and I think some of them are new. You said they did a, an update or whatever. Yeah, uh, yeah, they added uh, new new abilities, uh, some kind of tower mode, a whole new area, and new side quests. Yeah, and uh, so I don't have a, a reference of what it was before or after, but like you said, you weren't familiar with one I had uh, I mentioned to you before, but the wind 
uh, has a a chargeability that you can kind of like rapid fire, uh, mm. like as if you had like a small machine gun instead. Um, and then I just got one for the, what's the second element is a fire. Um, I haven't tried it yet, but it also does something new now, uh, which is the similar, like you hold the charge and then you hit the, I'm playing on keyboard and mouse, uh, the Q uh, button and it'll do an additional effect. So um, I believe those are new. It sounds like. Yeah. I don't remember doing that, but I also played the game when it came out. So mm-hmm. my memory's a little fuzzy. So I just a lot of options for combat, which is kind of nice. Um, combat's not like super fast paced. So like, you know, even if you're not like uh, completely adept at playing shooters, I think the pacing's totally fine for most people. I don't, I don't really think it's a, like a first person shooter for first person shooter fans. Yeah. yeah. I, th- I think like the pacing and I'm not saying like the pacing of the shooting alone, but even like the enemies, the movement, mm-hmm. everything kind of has like this, this flow to it that is like constant, but it's a it's a lower tempo yeah uh because the way you use your abilities and the way you have to time things and and um and you know and be uh, able to find moments to finish people exactly and and get your ammo back and then switch elements depending on what enemy Mm -hmm. types you're fighting and how much ammo you have um and there's like a lot of exploration as well so this is a game that um i really did feel like when i played it um it wasn't a game for the first person shooter side of me. Mm. They just once again there's an unload on shit. Um it just happens to be a first person game, but um right. you know, it's more about the exploration, um collecting and, and obviously the combat, but it's definitely got its own thing going on. Well it's definitely like super heavily inspired by like Western style open world RPGs mm-hmm. um in design. However, they've done a fantastic job, thank you, of uh, giving you very good direction. Uh, yeah. You have to unlock the openness of it as you go. And so like, if you're like me and you have to focus on like, you know, singular objectives at a time, um, I was able to, I'm like, well, I have access to this small area right now. I'm just going to take care of what I can in this small area and then I can move forward and kind of hit up that next hub and et cetera, et cetera. And so like, I don't have this crazy overwhelming, like all these notifications on my map at once. It's like gradual as I'm progressing through the story. Yeah, there's um there's a structure to how the open map mm. uh progresses the way it opens up wherever that uh feels very like it doesn't is I guess it's technically linear, but once you're like in these zones that just keeps opening up, but it just feels very structured. Mm-hmm. So it allows you to complete some side quests here and the main quest, and then you move forward, you get some more side quests and then the main quest and you just keep moving forward, moving forward. And mm-hmm. uh, for a game, that's not like super long, which I kind of appreciated. Um, I also liked that, um, you know, there's some open world games where you can just lose yourself. And this game, I had other games I was playing as well. You can, you can lose yourself in the collecting and the exploration and the city, which I think is awesome looking, but uh because it was so structured, it was really nice to just be able to go through the game and beat it. The mm-hmm. uh, game also has like a crazy amount of verticality, which is mm-hmm. pretty bizarre. Um, getting up and down at first for a very short time is kind of a hassle. Uh, you eventually get some tools pretty early on that you can just launch yourself around, so which is very convenient. Thank you. I hated trying to climb up buildings. Um, <clears throat> yeah, the enemy designs are dope. Like the style is just really cool. Um, there was a side mission I had where I had to like uh, catch a kappa and 
watching. I, I was expecting a giant you know, turtle and just this tiny little turtle. Was that in the fountain or something like that? Yeah. Yeah. And it's just swimming around. You have to like stay out of sight or also run away type thing. I, you know, I, at first I was like, ah, dude, I hate this hiding from them thing, but Mm -hmm. listening and like to it, like look around and be kind of paranoid about humans and stuff like that. I don't know. It was fun. And, uh, they did a good job of like it, it's look like it just, it looked like what I expected. It was just very tiny. Uh, collectibles are worth something in this game which I, more and more games do uh but i i hate you know you put a bunch of stuff on the map you collect them and like here's an achievement and that's it that's doesn't do anything for me but in this you sell them to these vendors all over the map and they give you money and occasionally cosmetics and uh these little reports from kk um so i like that because it gives you a reason to collect stuff uh the tanukis are also uh very fun to find because they're just like hiding out as like mm-hmm. random objects in the world uh one of the ones that was memorable for me so far was like going down this alley and there's this little tiny temple arch that you can't fit under and there's just a little tail hanging off of it and i was like this is dorky what are you doing in here so uh i think that's fun yeah the gameplay loop is gonna be familiar for anyone who plays you know games like you know far cry etc you know you you get to to temple you unlock more map you know, it's kind of the same as like the bird's eye thing in Assassin's Creed. Assassin's Creed. Creed. Thank you. Brain just stopped. The band. Um, and yeah, overall, I'm having a good time. My favorite part is definitely the the story. The story and the visuals, though, are, are fantastic. I I can't get over just like the the visual effects they they give when you're experiencing like some supernatural stuff in that game um and sometimes like you know being teleported to otherly realms and stuff like that it's a lot of fun yeah i'm glad you're enjoying it because when i played it and beat it i was like i think sure i would like this so yeah uh i do get stressed out sometimes because they are uh they, you know they came from a horror background and so they're really good at making an eerie atmosphere fortunately <laughs> That's They're funny. not trying to jump scare me, but yeah, they uh, they said when that game came out that it's not a horror game, but it's horror themed because they'd made horror games before because mm-hmm. they want people to play because they don't want people to be afraid of, you know, oh, I don't want to play. It's scary. And then when Hi-Fi Rush came out, they made a reference to how they make horror themed games and that this one is not at all horror themed. Yeah. He's like, I know. I know we have a past of making horror themed games. This is not at yeah. all. Um, so. Yeah, even even the game that's not supposed to be scary apparently was still spooky enough. So yeah, there's there's been a couple moments where I was like, I don't like this. Like, uh, how do I do this? Without spoilers. When you're heading to someone's apartment for the second time, uh, and all you have is a single weapon. Mm. Do you remember what I'm talking about? Yeah. Um, that whole time is like super creepy because you get kind of spoiled to having more tools and then mm. they're kind of taken from you for a temporary amount of time. And I was like, I hate this. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I hate uh, that too. And then, yeah, the, the first time you run into the, the scissor uh, one, because they do just kind of jump scare you with that one. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I don't know, obviously I got through it. So, but yeah, a lot of fun. Uh, other than that, I don't think I've played anything worth mentioning. So, <clears throat> Hmm. All right, well, my list is very short. I have been playing Chivalry 2, 
still. I'm playing it on PC. I will not talk about my opinion on the game still, though, just because we got to talk about it for Plus Club. It's one of the games on PlayStation Plus we'll be reviewing at the end of the month for Plus Club. Those games, of course, are uh, Grid Legends, uh, Descenders, and Chivalry 2, which I have played on console, and I have my opinion there. But I am playing it still. I think I've put about 20 hours into the PC version uh, as of late, so I'm playing it. So that, that gives you a little bit of insight on what I think of it, possibly. Maybe I hate it so much I'm playing it a lot. Um, I just hate playing. Yeah. I'm like, man, this game's so bad. I'm just going to keep playing it to farm uh, horrible footage for it. Um, so, yeah, playing that. Been playing with Josh. Um, been lobbing heads off. I'm just uh, trying to perfect uh, my, my fighting ability. I played the uh, 3v3 mode. And... Uh, that that really brings my competitiveness out like i get frustrated if i kill if i if like we kill the other team or i kill like two dudes i'm like unfairly just like hell yeah dude like you guys had no chance but then like some dude will just like fast swing drop cut my legs kick me back and like before i can even think about anything they kill me i'm like what the fuck was that how'd you even do that <laughs> so yeah my i get a little uh a little amped up playing that mode but it's a lot of fun that mode not the game. We'll talk about it. Um, yeah, that's what I've been doing with uh, Chivalry 2. And still played Last Epoch. That's our game of the month. Uh, we'll do that. We'll probably have a, a whole day where we just sit down and play it for hours. So, um, yeah, got to play it still. But the other game I've been playing a lot lately, I've also put uh, like 20-something hours into in, since this last weekend. So, um, been playing a lot is uh, Age of Wonders 4, which uh, if you don't know what Age of Wonders 4 is, uh, I didn't either until like last, last Friday. Yeah. yeah. Um, I've never played Age of Wonders 1 through 3. I think I've heard of them before, but I never really looked into them too much. Uh, but if you're wondering what uh, Age of Wonders 4 is, it is, uh, what do they call it, a 4X game? I believe so, yeah. Yeah, essentially it's a civilization. If, you, if you've played Civ before, you'd be very familiar with what what. Uh, age of wonders four is um essentially it is uh a strategy game where you play as a race uh you can either play as preset ones or make your own from like uh dwarves elves mole people uh goblins humans uh one of the presets is a skeleton type race but i think it's using like human characteristics um there is orcs um rat people um, there's a lot of races in the game. Um, so yeah, you pick one of these races, they have their own traits, or if you make your own race, you get to pick your own traits for that race. And then you are, uh, either playing through a campaign or you can play, uh, random games or you can play with friends. Um, and you have a big map, you spawn on it. It's all random. Um, I think you can make your own maps though. And then, uh, yeah, you build up your races, civilization, uh, very similar to Civ. Uh, you move on tiles, you move armies around. Every army has like five units in an army. Um, and then you uh, start working on uh, building up your cities, building up um, you know, farms, uh, mines, all sorts of things, uh, growing your borders. Uh, there's diplomacy between the different uh, civilizations. Um so you can be friendly with them. There's also war. The game has a system where you can either auto battle or go into a more uh, turn-based 
uh, RTS style combat. If you're playing with people, I would recommend you do the auto battle unless you really need to be involved with that fight because um, Josh did a fight uh, manually when we like were like on turn two and he was in there for like 10 minutes and I was like, yeah, we should just do auto battle unless you really feel like you need to be hands on with that battle because it, ge- it gives you a gauge and it's pretty accurate. It's like you're very likely to win or, you know, it's going to be kind of close or whatever. Um, and if you've been building up your leader uh, in a certain way, um, it's going to give you an edge anyway. So uh, we typically auto battle just to get the process going, because if if you've ever played a Civ game, you know that uh, turns can last a while and a game itself can last all days day. yeah um and this game's no different um the thing that differentiates this game from civ in a lot of ways is obviously it's fantasy uh styling um there's uh the map we're playing on is very like just grassy fields but there's some very fantastical maps you can play on um but also it's interesting you have your main leader um which would be you know your your person throughout history and civ um and as you play uh, them they level up and every time they level up you get to pick um, a new uh, ability for them or a new trait um, there's ones for combat ones for other things um, defensive ones all sorts of stuff uh, and then as you create new cities or capture other people's leaders um, you get new leaders new heroes essentially and they also have their own skill trees as they level up so you have all these different guys and you can lose them permanently but your guy if you have it set up will respawn after a while if he dies um, so yeah, you have all these guys that are leveling up. There's also gear in the game. So like you find it randomly on the map when you're exploring or killing, you know, what is the equivalent to like barbarians and Civ. And this is uh, like this infestation that grows. Um, and you find gear, you find new weapons you can equip. So like my guy starts out with like a war hammer, but later you might find like a an elemental weapon or something. Um, if you're using a two-handed weapon, you can't ride on mounts. But if you have like a one-handed weapon and you find like, a frost wyvern you can hop on it and your character on the map will actually be flying on it and can move more tiles um, which changes a lot of things up so there's like actually gear in the game and if you defeat other leaders whether you decide to kill them send them back to wherever they came from or keep them in prison you get their gear which is interesting kind of gives the it this uh i assume if you play against real people a competitive edge to the game I think is kind of interesting. Um, yeah, so you're kind of crafting characters and getting gear, which gives it this almost RPG element to it. It also has random things that happen that I think are really neat. Um, you obviously can run into other people and talk to them and, and have diplomacy. But for instance, I had um, a free city on the left and right side of my um, my place's borders. And... Um, they have something called a whispering stone. You can put it on a free city and you start uh, influencing them. And uh, through different actions, you start growing this bar. And at the very end of that bar, you can actually have them just join your your um, your sieve. Uh, so I was doing that with the guy to the left. But the guy to the right kept like giving me problems every once in a while, but nothing too bad. Um, but a random event popped up randomly. Random event popped up randomly. Uh, that the guy to my right... Um, the place is called stronghold uh it's this event that popped up it gives you this whole dialogue you're reading through from the leader of that guy and he's like somebody in your government said this about us blah blah blah. we won't we won't uh you know take that you can either at the sacrifice of morale for your city 
apologize for her and make it right with him and it increases um your relationship with the free city or you can be like no she said what she said and she can say where the hell she wants and that will increase morale for your people but lower relations with that guy so if your relations are like really good with him you can sacrifice that or if you want to go to war with him drop it down and then there's a third option for what it was but uh i think you can just ignore it and i think it's negative in most ways um but yeah so it has like random things like that pop up there's also a random event that happened whereas like your leader is like my main guy is like reflecting on his past and how he got to where he is and it gave me like seven options of like a backstory for my guy is like oh you fought to get here or oh you went through schools and learned all the scholar stuff and any one of those you pick you get a random reward they're all positive it's just whatever you want but it's kind of neat that it's using a system to kind of make your guy have lore now right um so that's cool and then there's another one that's kind of neat and i forgot what it is now but anyway you get all these like random events that are pretty cool and then there's also two layers to every map there's an underground and uh, above ground and some people just start underground some people start above ground you can go up and down but like i made a mole race and they spawned underground and like it's a whole different world down there yeah um there's also the ability you can get in a overall skill tree that uses something called imperium which is essentially just exp in this game um you don't have to spend it in there, but there's features in the game that you can unlock through that system. And there's like six trees. Um, and I think it's like the first or second on the bottom tree allows you to dig where you can. And so when you're underground, there's like walls that you can break down if you have that ability. So if you have that ability early on, you can start getting around underground faster than other people. There's places above ground too I think you can dig, but um, I don't I don't remember what. Um but yeah, from there, you can also um, get the ability to like make roads. You can travel faster in your territories, stuff like that. Um, there's a tree for combat. So if you're being more aggressive, you're more of like a barbarian style civilization, you can go down that tree and start getting benefits to uh, getting rewards for taking out people, taking out the infestation, stuff like that. Um, so there's like a lot of layers to this game of like um, just progression it's not just about the strategy and the civilization aspect which is really well done um there's a lot of random variables per match that makes it feel it sounds kind of weird but kind of gives me that vibe you get from playing like um battle royale where like every match the random elements of what gear you find like you're gonna play and hopefully play decently every single time but maybe you start and you get like a legendary gun this time or whatever or even like a roguelike um i know it's not appealing to you but um every match and civ kind of feels like that as well every match is different you got mm. different civs you got to go up against they got different personalities and stuff like that um and this game does too um but yeah all the different things that you find on the map all the different events that happen are random enough to make things different and interesting and uh also kind of reminds me of like um mario party how like random things will happen that like you were winning and now you're not yeah not to that frustrating of a degree but um more so just the variety that makes it interesting um yeah the uh the ai for the game is pretty decent um in terms of like playing against bots uh enemies seem to be either uh positive towards you and you can uh 
you can definitely work with that or they're kind of neutral or they just hate you as soon as they meet you. And then there's other factions you'll run into that are like definitely just barbarian style civilizations because as soon as you meet them, they declare war on you. They're like, yeah, we're going to come get you. And I'm like, whoa, okay, <laughs> like slow down. Um, what's nice though is other, other civs will notice if someone's being evil and it justifies other people doing things to them. People mm-hmm. are like, yeah, I get that. Like they're obviously bad. For instance, me and Josh are playing. He he picked up as well. And uh, first off, this game is a lot of fun with friends because, like, it's just like in Civ, I'm like off in the course doing my own thing, just building my Civ up. And uh, he's doing his thing, but the whole time we're like, you know, talking and bantering or whatever. I'm telling him about what's going on down here. Um, so that's a lot of fun. But uh, we're playing, and I think this is his like first round ever in the game or first uh, you know game. And uh, so he's learning the systems and stuff. But he decides. He's going to be very aggressive. We're going to work together. We're going to have a treaty. We're going to have open borders, stuff like that. But uh, he decides, he's like, yeah, fuck it. I'm going to be aggressive. He sees one of the leaders of a place. There's an ocean between us. I'm on, on the lower half of the map with uh, this dude named um, Alfred, I think his name is. And then uh, up top, it's him and this chick. And there's all these free cities everywhere we're dealing with. Um, a dude, or a, a city named Gorpit, a free city. Uh instantly was like hated me and started sending all these fucking war parties after me until I just went over and um, killed enough of them that they're like, Whoa, okay, hold on. We're a <laughs> treaty treaty. I'm like, okay. Um, but yeah, the leader, this is really weird. Cause a lot of times they stay around their city, the leader of the place next to Josh up North. She was just walking down the beach, I guess. And Josh is like, what the fuck is she doing out here? And I'm like, I don't know. And he's like, I'm going to fucking, I'm going to kill her. <laughs> like so he ran out there and he just attacked her and uh took her out and after that his relation with her just instantly was bad because she respawned he didn't realize she was going to respawn um so she gets pissed off at him and then i got this alfred dude who i have like shoved in the bottom left corner of the map i've like completely taken up uh so much land around him that he's just like constantly pissed at me he starts sending boats up towards josh and josh starts fighting him And then he starts fighting her and then she declares war on Josh and she like comes in and she starts taking out his armies and he's like, what the fuck's going on? And then Alfred declares war on him and he starts sending boats up there and he starts getting killed. And I'm like, it's tricky for me because I'm like, I'm going to see if there's a way I can like diplomatically stop them from attacking you. But like, this is an awkward position for me to be in because like your character literally want to highlight your character. It says evil. Yeah. So they're both just like, we're going to kill him. And then the chick he's fighting against, she's like sending me fucking messages. She's like, I really like what you're doing. We should have open right. wars and work together. I'm like, this is so awkward, Josh. What are you doing? <laughs> uh, and I was like, I'm, I'm down to take them out later. But like, I'm still trying to build up my stuff. I'm trying to get my army set up. And I'm still battling all this infestation that keeps like growing around my place. So, um, yeah, towards the end of our match, he... Uh, he was not having as much fun as he he was having originally when he was stomping people, because now he's got two armies coming after him. But I learned that lesson as well. I uh, I played a solo match at one point and uh, got into a fight with somebody. I had two people who were upset with me, but I was like, I'm just going to take this guy out before they both attack me. So I attacked the guy on the left side of the map, and when that happened, the one on the right's like, I'm declaring war on you, and I'm like, shit. So I learned the the ageless lesson that germany has uh has always known you don't fight on two fronts 
Um, and I got uh, completely decimated because I had two people fighting me in two different areas. I had to spread all my resources in two different directions. So it was pretty rough. Um, but yeah, uh, I've been playing it. I've already thrown in 20 hours into the game. And uh, Prince just did that over the weekend. Uh, I've been having a lot of fun with it. I would highly, highly recommend this game to anybody who likes Civ, as this is probably my second favorite Civ style game, easily. Um, I think it does everything the, the way it should be doing it. So I don't really have a whole lot of complaints with it. Uh, and then also anybody who's curious, uh, I tried it on Steam Deck and it plays great. Uh, runs good. It's actually a uh, setup for controller. So uh, you have all the inputs on screen, you know, like Y, B, A, it's Xbox. Uh, controller setup um, and everything works with the joysticks and it's fully functioning and uh, really kind of a, a good game for if you're like on the go and you want to throw some turns in it's got cross save obviously through steam so that's nice and uh yeah yeah super it's funny i bought this game on like a, i'll just roll in the dice because me and you looked into it yeah and uh we we're both like oh, it looks kind of neat but there's a lot of 4x games out there and uh, I didn't play Civ that much anymore, but um, just mostly because like I don't want to put the time in, I guess. Um, the social element's always the fun part of that. But anyway, uh, I was like, eh, fuck it. I want to check this out and see if it's any good. And like as soon as I started playing it, I just was like playing it. And I think the first day I played it, I put in just like 11 hours straight, just cracking out on it. So um, yeah, it definitely scratches that itch. So um, definitely recommend it. And uh, definitely want you to try it so you can uh, give me uh, your opinion on it because uh, I feel like you're going to like it. Yeah. Um, other than that, I don't think I've played anything else. I've just been playing Chivalry and uh, Age of Wonders. So apparently I'm just all about uh, kingdoms battling, which is weird. Whether it's uh, fantasy or not. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Anything else? Let us know in the comments what games have you guys been playing? What games are you planning on playing this month? What games do you think we should be playing? Uh, have you played Age of Wonders 4? And uh, if you haven't, are you gonna, if you're into those kind of games? And if you are into Civ-style games, what's your favorites? Whether it's Civ or uh, more fun, uh, possibly. Um, a game that's not Civ that you like a lot that's similar to Civ because... Uh, yeah, I'm just really cracking out on this game right now. So if you got any suggestions, there's one mean you played that had a similar system where when you went into combat, it was like an RTS kind of. And neither of us can remember what game that is. I can't remember at all. Um, and the only other one I can think of that I've played, and it's not the one that this those systems are in, but Endless Space was another one. Yeah. Yeah, that was a cool one too. So, But yeah, I don't remember which one we played because it has a lot of similar functions where you have like, the battles you can auto or manually go mm -hmm. into and uh, yeah, I was doing, I was like, I remember this. I was like, but from what? Yeah. I, I trying a huge blank. That was years ago. So yeah. Weird. All right. Well, let's know what you're thinking about when it comes to games you've been playing in the comments below. Okay. We got a bunch of videos to watch today and, uh, yeah, this is, we're talking about a lot of things you and I are not big fans of, but it's worth talking about because it's, it's gaming related. Uh, Five Nights at Freddy's is uh, getting a movie, which I already knew was happening, but the teaser has come out. Uh, they're making a movie of Five Nights at Freddy's, which uh, I don't know if you know anything about Five Nights at Freddy's. 
Ah, uh, Chuck E. Cheese. Yeah, it's a it's a horror game uh, where he plays a dude who's like doing security or some shit for a Chuck E. Cheese overnight, and you're trying to survive until like day. Trying to or avoid the jump scare. Yeah, um, it was super popular. There's like eight of these games now, I think, and uh, I think I played one of them once. And I was like, yeah, I, I get as an indie game why this game is like popular but it's, it wasn't enough for me but um i thought it was really interesting that they're making a movie of it it's quite the um the jump for an indie game um that definitely has its following in in the gaming realm but I mean, vampire survivors again tv show so yeah that's fucking wild i don't <laughs> i don't understand like i there's got to be just like I, I i said this fucking months ago uh the mcu is dwindling it's not as popular as it was and i think I think companies are looking at games now. Yeah. And they're like, what game can we get to pick up? Because they already played with a little bit with obviously the Witcher's based off the book, but like the, the popularity of the Witcher recently is because the Witcher three. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, uh, it just seems like they're starting to kind of dip their toes into video game stuff well, again. Sonic and trying and to snatch Mario up successful. True. Yeah, exactly. So, um, I think everybody's going to start trying to get, get their, their, uh, fingers in, in all all the pies so five nights at freddy's is definitely one of them um i think this is being done by bloom house as well which is a studio that does horror movies so that's kind of cool and uh so, yeah it's so kind of crazy universal says it means it's gonna be at the theme park or what maybe they might have on the their halloween nights thing i forgot what's called I, I know uh and i'm only bringing this up because I, I feel like they could make uh an attraction this way but in uh Universal Studios uh, Japan, they ha- had slash have uh, a Monster Hunter virtual reality experience, and it's just a giant warehouse where you put on a bunch of VR equipment and did Monster Hunter. Interesting. Yeah. So, I mean, they could do a Five Nights at Freddy type because they do a lot of screen stuff anyway at Universal. I can see at the very least them doing their like little like mazes that they make mm-hmm. during Halloween, and you walk through, and there's just Five Nights at Freddy's. Yeah, they already people. do a Walking Dead thing. Yeah. So, yeah. so I, I could see them easily doing that. Yeah. But besides that point, which yeah. I mean is a good point, that could be a thing. Uh, maybe we'll see some more Five Nights at Freddy's in the future uh, in, in more ways. But uh, yeah, we got an official teaser, so we're going to watch this. Um, Real quick, too, uh, if you guys don't know, we do a thing called Tasty Flicks. It's linked down below where we review uh, movies, anime, mostly anime um, lately. That's all I got the time for, really. Um, But, uh, yeah, just talking about movie content here, uh, we typically do it over there. So if you want more stuff like this, go subscribe to Tasty Flicks. Um, Okay, you ready to watch this? Yep. All right, this is Five Nights at Freddy's official teaser in three, two, one, go. Welcome to Freddy Fazbear's Pizzeria, where fantasy and fun come to life. Hit it, guys. I got that 90s color scheme going. True. If you're watching this video, it means you've been selected as Freddy's newest security guard. Hello? At least I don't got to do much to try and keep this accurate to the game. True. Right. What do we think? Um, I mean, obviously, from someone who doesn't play these games, um, I am aware there is a lore that happens. 
you know, in these games or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, but just from a visual standpoint, it seems pretty accurate to me. Yeah. Uh, it also, I don't watch horror movies, but it, it looks like they got a pretty decent idea on their hands on what they're doing with it too. So, um, it was a pretty short trailer. So who knows what the end result is going to be, but, yeah. um, I mean, it feels like an adaptation of five nights Fridays to me. So yeah, it looks legit. My, yeah. the first thing I'm thinking of though, like with how well lit it is and stuff is, is this actually going to be scary right. or is it just going to be kind of like, um, you know, just more fun horror right, right. or, um, are they going to go for gory? I don't know what this is rated. Um, but you know, I, I would hope they would go for something and not just be like, Oh, this is an adaptation. Check it out. Mm. Um, but as for adaptations, we're, we're in a time now where it seems like more often than not. Now we're getting better adaptations of games. I don't know if we're quite at the point where like, they're like the best thing ever, but they're getting better. And this definitely does look like five nights at Freddy's. Like, you could have showed me this without telling me what move this is. And I'd be like, Oh, that's five nights of Freddy's. Yeah. Like, that's interesting. And the premise is so simple that like to nail the accuracy, the thing that, that people are going to complain about the most, uh, I think is going to be really easy to do, especially, mm-hmm. uh, you know, in a game, I'm sure there is deeper lore and they'll probably explore it in this as, you know, things are happening, but, um, you know, just the basic concept of being like a security guy overnight, trying to survive these animatronics, um, I think they're going to be able to do that just fine. So, yeah. Um, yeah, I'm actually, if I'm being honest, interested. Um, I'd like to see a full-on trailer, maybe get some dialogue on what's going on. Um, but it looks legit, and I, I'd probably see this in theaters. Just out of a strong curiosity of how they handle it, but also, like, it looks good. Looks good enough. Looks like it might be fun. So Also, just, you know, support seeing movies in a theater. True. <laughs> yeah. Um I've seen a couple movies lately yeah. in the theater, and it's been kind of nice. Um, Actually, every movie we've seen in theaters uh, this year uh, have all been good. So yeah. That's been nice. Yeah. I, it feels like Hollywood is starting to back away from the easy money of superhero movies and starting to embrace trying to do something else. Mm. They're, they're definitely going to try and find their next superhero cash cow but um the the mid the mid budget movie is slowly making a comeback it kind of has to with the drop in people going to theaters they, they yeah. have to make money off these yeah. things so yeah and especially if you spend the shitloads of money it takes to make a marvel movie yeah and then if they don't do what you're hoping they used to do or avatar um or avatar um yeah you you i don't know if they're losing money but they're not making the money they want so it's it's Horror movies have always been like really um, mm. a safe bet for for production companies because they're low budget and they make more money back typically. Well, especially if like it's your first movie too. Mm-hmm. It's, yeah, yeah, it's it's easy to make a horror movie compared to a sci-fi movie. It's very difficult to make a sci-fi well, movie on yeah. the cheap, um, unless it's more of a psychological sci-fi idea. Mm. But um, but yeah, so it, it's it's interesting to see like that mid-range budget movie coming back. Like I watched. Um, uh, evil dead rise and it wasn't the best thing in the world but it wasn't bad either like it was it was fine yeah um and and i'm so happy to be able to say the movie's fine because typically like when i watch like a straight to streaming movie on netflix i'm like this is this is made for nine-year-olds like this <laughs> pretends like it's a, an adult movie because there's some blood and they say fuck yeah but like the dialogue is written by children for children mm. um it insults my intelligence 
Um, and so I definitely embrace, uh, you know, movies come to theater that are just entertaining and fun. Yeah. Um, and it seems like we're getting that. And this could very well be that. I'm c- kind of going on a rant here, but, um, yeah, I'm, uh, I'm stoked to see that, uh, that people are, um, you know, making movies that look interesting and, uh, video game adaptations, uh, are getting, we're getting, and I said this, I think years ago, but I was talking about how like, um, a lot of, uh, people who are producing video game movies don't care about video games. They're like old boomers. There's like, yeah, that sells well, right? Just make sure it looks like it. And then we'll, you know, just sell the brand to them, but it doesn't matter if it's actually accurate or not. You know, it's been years and it's, you know, people our age are getting into those positions where they can make those decisions and the accuracy starts, you know, mattering more. You got people from the devs actually getting more hands on with this stuff, like Neil Druckmann with the last of us. Um, and so I think there's a, a respect slowly coming into uh, video game properties that should have been there a long time ago uh, with their movies. I mean, the Mario movie, has got to be such a redemption arc for Nintendo in terms of like, I, every time I talk about Mario, people are like, dude, the first one's awesome. Yeah. It's, it's fun to watch in like a Tommy Wiseau way, but yeah. um, it's not a good Mario movie. Oh no, no, no for sure. But so it is entertaining to watch. Well, like after that movie and its reception and the mess that it was to make Nintendo was like, we're not making a Mario movie like that. Right. What the fuck was that about? Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> But they've made it now, and it seems to have. We haven't watched it, but it seems to have been well received. I've heard nothing but good things. Yeah, so that's cool. So hopefully, this gets the same reception, though. Hopefully, people watch and they're satisfied with it, especially sure. anyone who's a big lore junkie of Five Nights at Freddy's. I'm not that guy, but um, I'm definitely gonna see it. So yeah. Um, anything else gonna say? All right, let's know in the comments what you guys think about Five Nights at Freddy's, the official teaser for the movie. Are you excited for a movie based off this franchise? And uh, what are you hoping from it? Does this look accurate to you? Let us know everything you're thinking about in the comments below when it comes to Five Nights at Freddy's, the movie. All right, first video game trailer we got is for a game called Silica, official announcement trailer. Now, I don't know a whole lot about this game, but I think the premise sounds interesting. This is a first-person shooter and RTS uh, it's going to be online. Somebody's going to be playing it like an RTS and other people are going to be playing it oh, first person. Yeah, okay. Um, this has been attempted in the past. It has. Yeah. yeah. This is one of those things where it's like, you know, every once in a while we'll, we'll get a game that finally nails it. Like, um, I always say that like phasmophobia is like one of the first times someone's nailed like true multiplayer horror, mm. like a multiplayer experience. That's actually scary. Right. Um, whereas, you know, of course people have tried it before, but like, it's hard to scare multiple people. How do you get multiple people to get the one scare that's been designed? Um, phasmophobia kind of nailed it. And yeah, there has been um, first version shooter RTS in the past, but they're always kind of janky. They're always kind of made like not by some big budget AAA mm. company. So they don't get like the love and care they could possibly get, even though I hesitate to say that because AAA games aren't getting the love and care they fucking deserve right now. True. Um, <laughs> coming out stuttering and buggy and all that shit. So um yeah, I figured we watch this and uh, take a look at what they're doing and seeing if it's uh, something worth um, keeping track of in the future. Also worth noting, now that I'm looking up at the videos, it might be in the title so you guys already know, but uh, we're watching this, which involves shooting and bugs. And we got another video that involves shooting bugs. So uh, there's a theme on this episode. Anyway, let's watch this so we can get an opinion on it. This is Silica, official announcement trailer in three, two, one, go. In the year 2351, 
we discover Balterus. An year. exoplanet located thousands of light years from Earth. Must draw on the spikes. Buried beneath the silica crystals, we found Alterium. An element so unique, it has the potential to power our society for generations to come. When we first landed there, we so thought found the we real were hippie crystals. We could not be more wrong. So the graphics are not the best. They actually do look like if you zoomed into RTX. Yeah. I think they're fine. They're fine. Yeah, they're not bad. They're not. It looks a little generic. So it looks like the RTS guy is going to be coordinating attacks and building infrastructure. Yeah. And then the first person shooting. I think he plays bugs as well. It looked like it. Yeah. So I wonder if the RTS person is just controlling like basic mobs, and then they'll be able to bring in like powerful guys that you can take control of. Or... Definitely has a Starship Troopers vibe to it. Yeah. Um. All right. What do we think? Uh, I actually think it looks really cool, to be honest. Mm. Um, that's why that's why I lined it up. I I like RTSs. I'm not good at them, but I like them. Um, I also don't mind uh, certain types of first person shooters. And you this, like Battlefield, and this is the type I'd probably be okay with. Um, though I probably would be more inclined to do the RTS aspect of it, but I wouldn't be opposed to to trying the first person part of it as well. Um, and if if it plays well doing both at the same time i think that'd be a great multiplayer game to be honest uh i think the visual style like you said is it's okay it's fine yeah. it's completely serviceable um yeah this comes down to playability for me yeah but i do think uh i do think it looks promising in the gameplay department so uh especially because it kind of hits a couple different types of players like if you're not into strategy games you don't yeah. have to be that guy you can literally just be down there murdering stuff mm. Uh, and then if you have a friend, you have a me or a Chris, for example, who don't play a lot of shooters, uh, they can be doing the building and stuff like that. And obviously you'd probably want to play in voice chat and communicate with each other and stuff like that. But um, I don't know. It's kind of cool. I, I probably keep my eye on it. And if you're a person like me, you're going to want to do both. Because yeah. I love RTSs and I love first person shooters. For sure. Um, that's a really good point because uh, a great example of the opposite is uh, you know, someone like Cody. Yeah, not to pick on Cody in any way, but like I don't, I don't think he's a big RTS guy, but he's down yeah, to play a shooter for sure. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, so um, this would be a great game that you can get different types of people who play different kinds of genres of games to play together at the very least. Um, mm -hmm. Whether you're into RTS or not, maybe you're just into strategy games. You might still find the appeal of strategizing, um, you know, maneuvers and building things, micromanaging things. Um, and then, you know, if you're somebody who just like, oh, what are you guys playing? We're playing, you know, Silica. It's like, oh, that's that game where you shoot stuff. Like, I'll, I'll just hop in real quick. And I just feel like if they do that formula right, like they, they could easily fuck this up and it'll just fall off. No, but nobody will remember it. But if they make it fun, that formula would actually be super beneficial because they were bringing in more than one genre worth of people. Hmm. So, um, yeah, I 
the the theory behind that 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 style of game um i think could work really well you just have to be able to back it up with good gameplay like we've talked about with the graphics they're fine the visual style is fine but um yeah when it comes down to gameplay and how it works that's going to be the huge thing here um and i'll easily overlook you know the visual style but i'm really curious about uh, how it is going to work for like queuing up as ground units or being the rts person if it's just one person doing the rts stuff per team or if it's multiple people or if it's something that like um you're going in between on as well um i don't know if it's like uh I, you know i've played games where it's like similar to like battlefield where somebody's being the general so they're able to call in certain things um so i don't know if it's something you temporarily do or um if it's just a dedicated thing which i hope it would be um, just because if you're playing this for the RTS aspect, you probably don't want to do a whole lot of uh, ground stuff. Um, though I could see them doing, I think I kind of said this already, but I could see them, you know, getting so much of whatever the resource in this game is that you can call in like big units, like, you know, on the insect team, the big guys, right. or, um, um, you know, on, on the marine side or whatever, you know, some kind of big tank or something. I don't know. But yeah. I'm really curious to see how it works, though, in terms of uh, who gets to play what and how it works. But um, definitely has my attention. Definitely is a game uh, in concept that sounds interesting, and uh, says coming soon. So that's uh, that's good because it looks playable. What yeah. we're seeing so far it looks like the concept is uh, is done. It just comes down to you know content variety and what they plan on uh, supporting the game with. So, but um, yeah, I uh, I literally saw this. And I was like, that was like a game Chevy would maybe play so i wanted to get your opinion on it so i'm glad uh it uh at least got you interested so yeah yeah anything else you want to say on it no i think uh i think i just kind of keep my eye out and see how it goes so yeah be a lot of fun though if it uh if, if well if the game's fun but it'd be a lot of fun to get you know some friends together and play it so oh yeah for sure um yeah let us know in the comments what do you guys think about silica uh what do you think about the gameplay we saw here um do you think it's gonna work uh if you were gonna play this what would you want to play as would you want to play the rts side do you want to play the first person shooter side and uh if you have information on this game because obviously we didn't do our research on it we just watched the video uh maybe you can uh, enlighten us on some of the uh, gameplay mechanics and how things work uh definitely let us know um, and uh, join the conversation. Definitely like, would like to know. I'll, I can just look it up, I guess. But if you know, you know, let us know. And uh, yeah, let me know what you think about it in the comments below when it comes to Silica. Next video is uh, something similar involving more people shooting bugs, but in a different way, more traditional way. If you grew up in the 90s and you saw Starship Troopers like I did, uh, we got a Starship Troopers extermination uh, captures the original film's relentless combat video from IGN talking about the upcoming game. Um, before we watch this, uh, it is a first person shooter supposed to be team based and they say it's supposed to have hundreds of bugs on screen at once. Uh, this is a game that I've been really interested in because, like I said before, I grew up seeing the movie and, uh, you know, who who didn't want to have a game where you're just unloading on the bugs like in the movie. Um, but uh, I also feel like this game possibly could under deliver. It's being made by the same people who made squad, which is a, I believe it's squad an indie uh, shooter. So it's interesting that they're getting their hands on this and I hope, I hope they can nail it, but um, it's been really hard for me to get excited at this game 
from what I've seen so far, just because it looks it looks serviceable, looks fine, but doesn't look as good as I'm hoping for. But the concept definitely has me really excited. This definitely seems like a game I would 100% play. Um, but we'll talk about more after we watch some uh, some gameplay. Uh, have you been following this game at all? Do you know anything about it? Uh-uh. You kind of made it sound like Left 4 Dead, though. Um, I think you get dropped in. You have to get some kind of resource and then get out. Uh, and then while you do that, random events happen. And then uh, the bugs, of course, and swarms come and attack you. Um, so, so, yeah. It's, so it's Rock and Stone without the Rock and Stone? Yeah, Rock and Stone. It's a little bit of uh, Helldivers. Um and yeah, a little left for daddy, but uh, we'll watch it. You can get your opinion and see if this is a game that you're curious about playing at all. Uh, this is Starship Troopers Extermination Captures, the original films, Relentless Combat, in three, two, one, and go. The 1997 cult classic movie Starship Troopers by director Paul Verhoeven is a relentless war film that leans heavily into the spectacle and over-the-top nature of intergalactic warfare. With the upcoming Starship Troopers extermination from Beyond the Wire publisher Offworld Industries, the video game adaptation seeks to expand upon the film's chaotic and gory combat sequences for its focus on co-op squad-based action. I got an early look at Extermination ahead of its early access release on May 17th and saw its unique blend of large-scale combat and tower defense-style gameplay firsthand. And so far, it has the makings for a compelling right twist on the original film's concept oh, of shit. soldiers out of their depth being thrust head first into a fight against an endless swarm of alien bugs. Once your boots on the ground, the infestation will feel relentless. Extermination takes place decades voice. after the original True. film and sees a new division of deep space vanguard face, face off, off against the yeah. extremely hostile alien species known as the arachnids, otherwise known as bugs. The squad of troopers takes on a variety of resource gathering and bug hunt missions, all while facing off against an onslaught of vicious arachnids that can easily tear your squad apart. The main loop focuses on running and gunning against the bugs, capturing territory, and building bases and ammo depots to mostly uh, even the playing field against the opposition. Before each game, you get to choose from one of three different class types. The jetpack-wearing assault class, a heavy class that can pull up a mobile shield to hunker down and lay down suppressive fire on bugs, and a support unit that can call up medic drones to heal the squad. When the action goes off, extermination features some solid shooting and team mechanics at work, including a helpful ping system. But as the infestation level increases, more That's bugs and new variants shooters, appear, yeah, pushing the need for more focused tactics and class skills to survive. Well, the sheer scale of the of onslaught can yeah. be overwhelming, especially when some of the sneakier bugs catch you off guard. But extermination is fairly generous with the revives and respawns, allowing you and the squad to quickly get back into the action. On the surface, this setup is quite the norm for most other co-op-focused shooters, such as Warhammer 40,000 Darktide or the Left 4 Dead series. However, what Starship Troopers Extermination leans into is the sheer scale of the battlefield and the conflict. With large player counts of 16, battles are out in the open, Mm. forcing you and your squad to keep on the move to knock out the randomized objectives that take you to different areas of the field. While I did feel that there was some extended downtime in between objectives, which resulted in uneventful stretches of running around, the game's dynamic pacing and encounters mostly keeps a steady flow going. 
One of Extermination's most interesting additions is the surprisingly robust and engaging base building system. At the key building points too. across the map, your team can rapidly build structures to create defensive perimeters, traps, hmm. and vantage points for your group to defend yourselves against the swarm of bugs. During my hands-on, I worked diligently to get a wall in place, but as soon as I turned out, the rest of the base's defenses were already built up by the rest of the squad. My favorite moments from the preview session all came from the final sequences of each match, which focus on hunkering down to defend a derelict base and wait for evacuation. Yeah, These blend the tower defense the gameplay yeah. with intense close quarters action, balancing the need to repair structures while gunning down the bugs trying to get inside. The final push, janky, no matter how fun. well prepared I we say, I were, definitely feel like always doing a pretty good job intense of and challenging the and making chaos for an exciting capper to each round. So. I really enjoyed the relentless nature of Starship Troopers Extermination, too, yeah. which captures the film's breakneck pace. At times, though, I did feel that its heightened action made some battles feel a bit too overwhelming to keep up with. Still, getting into the thick hmm. of it reminded me of the more intense moments from the movie, which the game captures so well. The upcoming early access release puts the game in a great place to refine its mechanics and develop its overall tone and vibe. At launch, the game will have its core map and set of classes, with new content dropping within the first year. While it often spends time recreating those movie moments, which is what many film fans no doubt want, there are periods where the game's original idea shows promise, and that was exciting to see. For more on Starship Troopers Extermination, fair. check out the most recent trailer. And when for everything else in the world of video like games, head on over. Segments, that's, uh, yeah. that's fair criticism, because that's something I would notice as well. Um, yeah, what do we think? Well, I, I don't know if I'll be doing my part, but uh, I do think uh, it does look interesting. Uh, I'd be curious to see what, well, I mean, realistically, what you have to say about it. Cause mm -hmm. You already kind of brought up that you'll be picking it up. Yeah, I've been planning on buying this um, since I heard about it. But it might be something that um, I, I don't know if I'd play a whole lot just because it does seem probably a little too stressful for me, to be honest. Yeah. Uh, but I could be wrong. It's hard to, it's hard to tell with the... Uh, the footage they provided because it's a cut and jumping all over the place so yeah i would like to see just like some strip gameplay footage of like a whole match or whatever but if it's already out i'll just pick it up and i'll let you know yeah. but um but yeah i uh i think it looks pretty cool um the concept is the biggest thing that's exciting for me for sure. is that it's a 16 player cooperative shooter it's wild uh when i originally covered this months ago the information was that there's more than three classes so it's interesting they've settled on three and that it was going to be a 12 player shooter so that they upped the amount of people uh might have just been a balancing thing or they figured out like oh we can add more people um with the amount of things happening on screen it makes sense you would have that many people covering every direction um but yeah, the premise definitely is right in my alley. Uh, I like games like this anyway. And like I said, since I was a kid seeing that movie, I want a game where you're just unloading on bugs. And since then, some games have captured similar situations, but that this is actually that uh, property um, 
is promising. Uh, I like that there's different classes. I'll be really curious to see what the progressions like and what kind of unlocks there are. If there's very few, that's going to be disappointing. I don't expect a lot, but I expect something to keep you busy while playing. Um, but I think, you know, the real bread and butter of this game is going to be just unloading on bugs, but I'm a big fan of, uh, longevity. And if the gameplay is just shooting bugs and you're not getting things for it, uh, it'll lose its luster pretty quick for me. Um, the base building is uh, the most surprising aspect of this uh, video for me. I uh, knew there was going to be base building, but uh, from what I originally read, it sounded like you're just going to be constructing certain things. I thought it'd be like a mission-based thing, like, oh, go construct the blah, blah, blah. Right, right. But th there's like a whole zone that, that is giving you freedom to build up walls and defenses. Gives me like a tower defense vibe, mm -hmm. which I love tower defense games. So um, that's definitely something I'm interested in. And he kind of painted a clear picture that makes a lot of sense, especially the longer this game is out and the more uh, comfortable people get with it. He was building a certain area. When we looked back, the whole place is already built. So that means everybody is doing their part and uh, you know, you're going to get that streamlined where bases are getting built pretty quickly mm -hmm. and people are going to know what the best things are to do and stuff like that. Meta, but yeah. Yeah. Um, but that'll be interesting. And that definitely gives us um, a little bit of an edge uh, in, you know, something it offers that that other games where you're mowing down huge groups of enemies uh, possibly don't offer the same thing so um pretty cool i i don't know if that looks pretty cool hopefully there's a uh, like weapon uh things you can drop down to when you're building your base to uh add to your defenses it'd be even cool too if i saw the, turrets yeah I, well, I would hope there would be but it'd be cool too if through the progression you unlocked pieces for building as well but i don't mm. know i'm not going to get too speculative here especially if the game is already accessible um you know they're done at this point uh and only going to be adding more content um but yeah overall looks cool um doesn't look amazing but it looks fun enough and i will definitely check it out if i can and uh tell you guys what i think of it on the next tasty cast if indeed it is out and playable right now i did not know that um yeah pretty cool though overall anything else all right, let's know in the comments what do you guys think about Starship Troopers Extermination. Have you played it? What do you think? And if you haven't played it, do you want to play it? Uh, is this a game that's for you, a game that's not for you possibly? What stood out to you in this video? What do you think looked the best? Do you think the combat looks good? What do you think about the classes? What class do you want to play? What class would you play if you played this? Probably I'd, support. I'd probably Defender, honestly. Defender? Yeah. Yeah, I, I think they all sound cool. They're definitely all things that would be appealing to me, but I am a very aggressive run-and-gun kind of player, so I, I will probably play the Assault. Um, though, in cooperative shooters, I like to have the ability to heal people because some people aren't as good about that as they should be. Um, yeah, let's know what you'd play. And uh, we think about the base building. We think about the bugs. Do you think they're doing the movie justice? And yeah, let me know everything you think about in the comments below when it comes to Starship Troopers Extermination. Next video we got is another... Uh, kind of early access style thing. Uh, Street Fighter 6 has a beta coming out and we got a video that's gonna show the details of the beta battle hub uh, overview. They're gonna tell us what's coming with the beta. Um, I think it's soon. 19th. 19th, yeah, 19th. so coming right around the corner. So this is more so just to kind of get us educated on what's coming with this and possibly you guys and get us you know more hyped. We've talked about Street Fighter 6 in the past on the channel and uh, I think we both came out of it liking it uh, with some criticisms. 
Yeah, I mean, I, I'm pretty convinced I'm buying it. So Yeah. Um, so I'll definitely be checking out this open beta because I think the last thing that they had out um, was a nice little sample, but I want to see a little bit more of like the game itself. It and, was definitely a sample, though. Yeah, yeah. Like two characters and not a whole lot going on, but that this will offer more um, has me more interested for sure. So, um, yeah, thoughts before we watch this? Uh, I don't know if I have thoughts as much as just... Uh, if I'm not mistaken, I think they're going to have four characters for us to play this time. So two, which Guile's is nice. going to be one of them, I think. Yeah. Um, and I hope, uh, the beta, which I'm sure it'll say here in a second, but uh, I still hope it has like something like the single player to kind of mess around with a little more though. They already kind of let us test that. So maybe not, but, uh, that's my only complaint about the last beta was that I had to play with the, the simple control scheme in the single player mode. I hated that. So, yeah. But uh, I know in the full game, I'll be able to pick. And I will be switching it to more technical because I, I prefer that myself. So, For sure. All right, ready to watch this? Yep. All right, this is Street Fighter Six official open beta battle hub overview. Rolls right off the tongue in three, two, one, and go. Anytime. Welcome back, fighters. Vicious here with a second entry of the open beta video series, this time taking you to the main community feature, the, the Battle Hub. From playing matches with the community all the way to tricking out your avatar, the Battle Hub is the perfect place to get yourself acquainted with fellow players. With the Street Fighter VI open beta coming up between May 19th I through May 21st, mm -hmm. this is the primer you need to get yourself ready in the world so of love Street that Fighter VI. Without further ado, mm -hmm. let's I'm take a closer look at what awaits you here at the Battle Hub. You know, I can still like, you know. Street Fighter VI's Battle like Hub you, is an interactive space Chris, where players can hang out, improve on their skills, communicate, and face off against guys. fighters mm. from all around the world. I love that has like the Battle Hub ties together to elements yeah. from both no, World cool. Tour and Fighting Grounds. With these two major features in mind, we'll be explaining what to expect here at the Battle Hub. In the open beta, you'll start off with creating your very own avatar. With a huge array of robust, customizable features, you'll be able to create an avatar that you could show Dang. off in the battle. <laughs> Here's just a sample of the creative options at your disposal when creating an avatar. It's funny, one of my big complaints with fighting games for years has been like a lack of like a single player, like more casual friendly mode. After you as have finished like creating your avatar, it's time to step play the into game the battle as, like, a video game. As soon as you step as in, you'll notice a variety of different mm, battle cabinets. Old fighting games Depending are on which battle that, cabinet so nice you approach, players will be able to challenge each other in a match, test their wits in extreme battles, or even enjoy some classic Capcom arcade titles at the Game Center. The majority of cabinets surrounding the inner part of the battle hub are dedicated towards versus gameplay with the available open beta characters. Like we'll have plenty more details then. regarding Probably. these cabinets in the next video. Alongside the outside walls of the Battle Hub, you will find the Extreme Battle Cabinets as well as the Game Center. The Extreme Battle feature offers a party-type vibe with battles utilizing unique rules and gimmicks mm. that aren't normally cool. seen in a regular match. Neat. In the Game Center, players can play a variety of classic Capcom titles from the past. Different classic titles will be available during certain time periods, so keep on visiting the Game Center to oh, see what's available. Switch out and stuff. Weird. Yeah. I mean, they own the titles, so yeah. it's kind of neat to throw them in there. 
If you're looking to add a little bit of extra style to your avatar to make it stand out in the battle hub, you can check the hub goods shop for different items and apparel to keep your avatar looking as flashy as your gameplay. Social situation that they got going on with this game too. So cool. Yeah, they're really going all out with this. As you can see, there is so much to do in the Battle Hub. In between your gaming sessions, why don't you take a break? Feel free to interact within the environment in a variety of ways, such as showing off your favorite emotes, spinning bird kick, taking photos around the Battle Hub, or even hanging out at the DJ booth. In the meantime, fighters, that's all for now in regards to the Battle Hub. Don't forget the Street Fighter 6 open beta begins from May 19th through May 21st. Street Fighter 6 is the official game of the Capcom Pro Tour and it's starting summer 2023. <laughs> Winning any CPT online event means you Capcom qualified for Capcom Cup and have an opportunity to win the $1 million true. grand prize. So, visit CapcomProTour.com for more details and tournament rules. We'll see you all at the Pro Tour. I don't know what the fuck that is, dude. What's got going on here? The Street Fighter 6 demo is also now available for download. Check it out now for a sneak yeah, peek into the yeah, game. Yeah, yeah, I already tried Thanks it. again for I watching. Stay PC. tuned for part three of the series as we go over the True. competitive aspect of Street Fighter 6, such as online matches, in-game tournaments, and of course, the Capcom Pro Tour. We'll see you all for the next one. All right. What do we think? Um, It was nice to see all that stuff. Uh. I, I like we kind of said going through it or whatever they they really are just kind of going all out with this one which i really like um this base is gonna be tricky for me because it, it definitely looks like they're trying to just do online matchmaking for it um, which is good they need to do that uh, obviously um, i play fighting games more like personally with people not with random people usually i'm not like super competitive i, I play them for fun so um but I, I know a couple of people who like fighting games, so I'll have people to play with on it. Um, I wonder if you'll be able to do like uh, private servers. Well, I assume you just make sure you set it the same cabinet. Yeah. It's going to be like Guilty Gears online where there's like podiums and you just both make sure to stand at the same mm-hmm. one. So, um, yeah, I mean, it. The, the style for this game has just been cool anyways. And they're just really bringing that also to the online hub part of it because like that's been kind of a tricky thing for a lot of fighting games is to make a, a, a hub that makes sense. Um, I feel like they've made one that makes sense, but also lets you just have social stuff as well, which is really mm-hmm. cool. Um, as much as I love guilty Gear Strive, the, the online hub sucks. <laughs> like, it's pretty bad. Um, they, they tried something. I'm glad they did, but yeah, I don't want to see it again uh, going forward. So, yeah, I know some people have tried doing those kind of like hub based mm-hmm. things in fighting games and the idea has always sounded cool to me, but I feel like this is going to be the best implementation of it. seems yeah. like they've really thought it out and thought about not only is it just a place where you can show off your character and fight each other, but also there's like social features, emotes, a shop, and then like other things to do. I also thought it was really neat that they have like bonus, more party mode style mm-hmm. uh, games to play which will make it feel like, like I was saying before, like a more like a social area where like, you know, you have decisions and choices of things you want to do here. Um, and for people who are like super into fighting games, but also just like street fighter, um, I think it's gonna be super welcoming for them to have a, an online community hub to hang out in. 
um, because that's something that you don't really get as much with uh, games like this as opposed to even like racing games. Uh, you know, Forza is pretty good about connectivity, but like the hang there is just like driving next to each other and then doing the races, which is great. But like, you know, it doesn't have that social element that, you know, this is trying to go for um, that. You know, if you play an MMO, you get typically yeah you expect it but in games like this you don't really expect it so it seems like they're doing a good job with that yeah no it's cool um you know the test is coming out here pretty soon i'm looking forward to to trying it uh especially because i get to actually try it on my computer this time I played on you know playstation last time and uh as much as uh i like i don't mind playing on playstation i don't like the ps5 controller for fighting games so mm. um, i don't think the d-pad uh is um my preference i like the ps4 one a little better when it comes to fighting games um so i'm looking forward to be able to like play in a more comfortable uh situation there um i can't do the joystick thing um i think it's cool but i can't really do it i have not tried um there's another type of like joystick where it's like joystick less and it's just four buttons that you rest your hand on on the side and they're the same as the attack buttons um, but it's supposed to be better for your wrists so it's just up down left right you know yeah, I don't know if I've seen that or not. Oh, they're pretty cool looking for sure. Cause it's still like mm. a cabinet style, but just no joystick. So, yeah, I've always appreciated that people make those and some people want to buy those, but it's never been my thing. No. Yeah. Well, like we're going to a little bit of story time here. We went to that barcade mm-hmm. and played some street fighter alpha too. Um, I could play, but I was making mistakes left and right. Cause just the joystick isn't my comfort zone. Yeah. Um, if you practice enough, you'd get it down, but yeah, it's not something that I, prefer so i'm not going to put time in to get better at yeah. it yeah one fighting games are all about your controller preference anyway so yeah. um you should play where you're comfortable that's where you're going to be the best so plus it's scary because i <coughs> i was playing um soul caliber at that arcade and uh how much aggression i was trying to put into doing the moves i felt like i was really yanking the joystick to the right to run at people and i was like damn dude like i don't get that reaction when i'm just pressing you know d-pad or whatever so Mm. yeah it's definitely not my preference but it's still kind of fun in a like novelty way yeah i also like they showed there uh a person just like in a costume um i think that's great that they're not it's not just serious outfits only i think there's plenty of like fun to be had and they own a ton of ips you're gonna see devil may cry stuff you're gonna see mega man stuff you're gonna see mm-hmm. you know you know hopefully stuff like lost planet and uh capcom's always like been really song. good about cross promoting their games mm-hmm. and other games so. yeah so you're gonna have lots of fun little outfits and, and accessories and stuff for your characters too um monster hunter yep yep very cool also the character creator i got to use in the last beta it's pretty good so okay. I, didn't, I didn't use it I never even checked it out. I made like four characters. <laughs> so Yeah, apparently I skipped that. Yeah, it's pretty cool. But yeah, looking forward to it. Yeah, I am too. I uh, was already curious about it, but um, I didn't really look into what it was going to be offering. And watching this video definitely has me more interested uh, that I'm, you know, we'll put time aside to try this because uh, a lot of stuff they're doing here um, seems really cool. Uh, the fighting obviously is what you're playing it for, but 
the old school games, I think is a really cool touch. I think the um, party games is something unexpected that definitely feels welcome. Um, I'll be really curious to see how the uh, fighting online against other people feels. Uh, I've had bad experiences in the past. There's been huge jumps in uh, technology, I guess, Big since time. then yeah. uh, when it comes to online fighting games. But uh, my opinion on that is still kind of tainted from the old days of latency which uh i'm a pretty competitive guy so i feel feel typically if uh i get cheated out of a a match because of technical issues i get annoyed um and so if somebody's lagging around or you know things aren't registering correctly i don't want to play it because i'm not going to lose to someone who you know possibly isn't even seeing the same thing i'm seeing um so it's just uh you know stupid feeling so hopefully this plays really well i don't expect it to not because um you know it's uh it's Capcom and they have a long history of uh making fighting games. So hopefully uh the net code is good. Um the customization looks good. I never fucked with that in the last thing. So uh, I'll be interested in trying that out. Uh, also I love that there's stuff you're gonna be able to buy. Uh it gives you something to work towards when you're mm-hmm. fighting people, accruing currency, um, adds to the social element because your guy's going to look a certain way and people are going to be able to tell how long you've been playing or how much you've been playing uh, through what you have on. I'm sure that certain things will be more expensive than other things. Um, hopefully they do like timed events as well through this community. So, you know, you can kind of see somebody made it to this event or whatever because they're wearing, you know, this or that. There's a lot of potential with what they could do with this. Um and yeah, overall, it just looks really cool. Uh, I really like everything that they're doing with this Street Fighter. Uh, I haven't felt uh, this interested in a Street Fighter in many generations of Street Fighter. So um, it seems like this is going to be the one uh, for me to get back into because it's been a while. So mm-hmm. I've dabbled with like the last couple Street Fighters, but they never hooked me. So this one definitely seems a lot more uh, robust and up my alley. So Yeah, I haven't been super into a Street Fighter game since the PlayStation 1 era. So it's been a yeah. while. Yeah, same. It's been a long time. So, anything else? Nope. All right, let us know in the comments what you guys think about Street Fighter VI official open beta Battle Hub overview. Uh, are you excited to try this out? Are you not excited for some reason? And uh, what are you most excited to get your hands on? Uh, whether it's playing against other people online, you want to play the old games, do you want to check out the party games, what do you think about the customization? And uh, yeah, let us know what you're thinking about in the comments below when it comes to Street Fighter VI. Last video we're watching out of the many videos we are watching this episode is Diablo for uh behind the scenes story this is going to take give us a peek behind the scenes of the development of diablo 4 um that i believe had a beta recently you don't know yeah i i saw a video where a guy said that there wasn't as many people on this beta as the last one so i don't know if a whole lot of people knew it even happened um but yeah this is coming out uh, i think soon and uh i played not this last beta but the beta before and it was pretty good uh, visually, I thought the game looked uh, good. It played well. Uh, skill tree wasn't as exciting as I wanted it to be, but I only got to level like 23. So, of course, there's still plenty to uh, unlock. And, uh, yeah, I figured this would be a good video to kind of give us some insight on what's going on with the development of this game and uh, get us excited for the game, possibly. Do you have anything you want to say about this? I know you're probably not going to play this game. I won't be, yeah. Yeah, so uh, this is purely for me and you guys, and uh, you can give us your opinions on the game after you watch this video. This is uh, behind the scenes story in three, two, one, go.
story in Diablo 4 will appeal to both new players and hardcore Diablo fans. And when writing this next chapter, we really wanted to return to our darker roots. Sanctuary is in a very interesting state right now. It's 50 years after Reaper of Souls from Diablo 3, where half of the population was exterminated by an archangel. The world has seen quite a bit of changes, quite a bit of scarring from its wounds that have not totally healed. In these years of death and decimation, power vacuums have opened up and been filled by various factions you'll actually get to interact with in Diablo 4. Heroes of the past that we've known and loved have long since faded into memory, as well as an iconic order known as the Haradrim. The world is a bit broken and wounded, and it's in this fragile state that Inarius and Lilith return, and they are the makers of Sanctuary, and their return may not mean the best for humanity. Before Sanctuary was created, the heavens and the hells were battling each other in a non-stop war. Our Sanctuary was created by disenfranchised rebel angels and demons that wanted out. They didn't want to be a part of this never-ending war because there was literally no point. Two of those people were Anarius and Lilith. Lilith is a demon and Anarius is an angel. They were part of the eternal so, conflict between heaven and hell in which they were constantly Diablo. fighting each other. When Lilith captured Inarius, she was ready to torture him. But when she learned that they're of like mind, she became his partner in crime. They stole a singular most important object known as the World Stone, a massive, iconic, mountain-sized gem that has the ability of creation. Inarius and Lilith helped to create the World of Sanctuary. And that's where the name of the world comes from. It was their sanctuary to hide away from the eternal conflict. They both have similar goals, talking about. but as an angel and as a demon, have different ways of going about it. Inevitably, it wasn't going to last. They clashed multiple times throughout the history of the Diablo universe. And the last time they met, Inarius banished Lilith from the world and locked her in this realm of darkness. We wouldn't see Lilith again until the cinematic by three they come, when a mysterious figure pulled her back into sanctuary and set her loose on the world she helped create. Inarius also suffered when the heavens found out where he was and what he had done, that he had created this world. He was punished and handed over to the burning hells as a peace offering. Because of these two experiences, both Lilith and Inarius do share that they were betrayed and they've been disillusioned. That does not mean that they get along. There's this rare moment in time where Inarius and Lilith are back on the world. It is them fighting each other with humanity as their battleground. When the story of Diablo IV begins, this wanderer <coughs> is trudging through the snowstorm in a place called the Fractured Peaks. Really, they're just looking for some shelter. The player character in Diablo IV is whoever the player wants to be. Are they running from something? Are they running to something? What kind of a person are they? We leave that up to them to decide. They are seeking refuge from this blistering so cold like that is saturates everything within the Fractured Peaks. Or? They find a cave, and it is that moment where they're pulled into the bigger events so. of Sanctuary, these monumental moments that will be taking place that will shape and shake the world. It has been 50 years since Malthael, the aspect of death, culled about 50% of humanity. Humans struggle to survive in that 50-year gap after that massive culling. The humanity itself is trapped between the high heavens and the burning hells, and each are trying to influence humanity in their own way. The players asked to save it's Sanctuary like by a specific character that we actually remember he's from Reaper of Souls. His name is Lorath Which is good Nard. if he's working on it, for sure. in Diablo 4 
is not the same Lorath from Diablo III, Reaper of Souls. He's a changed man. He was a member of the Haradrim. And the Haradrim is this secretive order of scholars and mages who protect the world from demons and other supernatural threats. Lorath is much older and weathered from the things that he's seen. He is struggling with who he is with the Haradrim and even without the Haradrim. When Lorath learns of the player's interactions with a being that he remembers very well, he pulls him into this mission to stop Lilith. They will need to try to figure out a way to survive in the world of Sanctuary in all of its turmoil since Lilith has come back. We have a lot of new characters that you'll be experiencing in the world of Sanctuary. One of them is Prava. She leads the Cathedral of Light. The Cathedral of Light is a militaristic faction led by Anarius. Anarius is the ultimate supreme leader, but she handles the day-to-day. -day. She acts as a bridge between Anarius and the other followers of the Cathedral of Light. She was at rock bottom when Anarius met her. As you can imagine on Sanctuary, life is brutal. Anarius uplifted her and taught her the tenets of the Cathedral of Light. Ever since then, she's become his most loyal, fervent follower. She would do anything for him, and she just really believes in what he stands for. Anarius stand for is people. in various states so. of bitterness. You're seeing a faction that has done as much good as necessarily bad. You as a player get to decide how you feel about those actions, and Prava will be at the forefront of all of it. Donan, he's one of the Haradrim. He is this very gifted mage who also is a scholar. We find him in this place called Scotland, where he's made a name for himself and become something of a hero. In Diablo 4, we'll find out what Donan's relationship with Lorath is and the Haradrim and how he became a hero in this place. Nairel is this young adventurer. She has traveled the world with her mother, looking for lost artifacts. She's spent her life going through old ruins and reading old texts and learning these arcane things. Together, they're searching for the remnants of the Haradrim. They believe in finding that they'll find some purpose. She is someone who is very intent on stopping Lilith, so she becomes a very strong ally for you and for Lorath throughout the game. It's through her actions that Lorath and Lorath, the group that you will Lorax, follow so. will come <laughs> to contend against Lilith. Something that we tried to do from a narrative perspective is create people that are living in a very dark place, but still trying their best to live. They'll have some scars, but they also have these pieces of beauty and humanity. We wanted to ground them in the circumstances of the world and make them feel real and relatable. With Diablo 4, you're very much watching a tragedy unfold. It's definitely a story that we wanted to create around people, not just the apocalyptic elements that surround the story. And that's something that we really sought to bring to you as a part of the Diablo narrative. Lilith is free, she has some followers, and she's back on her old business. She's gonna corrupt us or try to turn us to her side for her own ends. The story of Lilith and Inarius is the darkest story we've ever told, and it expands the mythos of Sanctuary and the lore of the series like never before. All right. Um, that was interesting because uh, it didn't really cover any gameplay, of course. They're talking about the story and... I can't go into detail of like every little thing they talked about, but the big thing I got out of that and it reminded me 
that when I played the beta, um, I actually thought the way they handled the story was actually much better than I expected it to be. It was very cinematic. Um, it was a lot darker and, and um, disturbing than I was expecting a modern game from Blizzard to be like. So that was nice. But the thing uh, that I think is neat about the story at the very least is just the the amount of characters and factions and stuff at play here. Uh, especially if it carries on after uh, Diablo 3. But um, the idea of two sides from different sides having this relationship uh, and this dynamic um, and that they're both not necessarily... Like, they're obviously both bad in a way, but, like, that they're making it almost ambiguous on, like, you know, Lilith is going to try and get you to do her bidding or be her enemy essentially and it kind of seems the same uh when she said that uh what's his name inaris mm. inarius at one point they called him uh inarius and then another one said inarius with two eyes which i thought was weird but um then he knows their own character's name um that he sounds like he's up to some bullshit too even though they're both uh from different sides they're both kind of outliers of those sides so mm. um at least they're getting creative with it because um, the Diablo storyline is interesting enough, but me and you can't remember Diablo three storyline at this point. I mean, it's been, that game's been out for so long now and I haven't played it in years, but, uh, it does typically come down to outside of small details when you play through a Diablo game to defeat Diablo. And so I was curious about when this game was coming out, <clears throat> what, what they would do story-wise to make it interesting it does sound like they've thought about it so um i do appreciate that hopefully they can convey it in a way that is uh um impactful and interesting enough um, i do think the beta should promise in that if there's anything i can say about uh diablo 4 from the impression i got from the beta um that's just positive across the board it's the way they're telling story uh in it it's the best diablo has been uh in terms of that and i think most uh arpg top-down arpgs uh it it does the best job that i've seen so far in a game like that so uh definitely better than wilson even though i thought wilson for what it was worth did it pretty decently as well so um but yeah cool to see i'm glad they're thinking a lot about the lore and characters and um it seems like they've put a lot of work into the story which is good to see because uh but being honest from my perspective um don't have like a whole lot of faith in blizzard as a company anymore so uh at least with this it seems like they are uh they're achieving something so yeah um i i don't think i've ever honestly cared about the story of diablo i didn't play diablo one two or three for the story i played for the gameplay of going through the different levels, fighting the bosses, getting the loot, you know, leveling my character to a fashion, especially as the games you know got newer and 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 whatnot to make builds. That's a bad habit I have with the genre in general, because like I've played through Grim Dawn twice. I'm not even sure what the story is of it. Um, I know the story of Wolson, but it was a very cinematic game. Um, I pretty loose idea of the the story of um oh god when we're supposed to be playing this month last epoch last epoch but yeah. that was going to be my point is even last epoch 
I, I was like, this is an indie game. It's unfinished. They just added multiplayer for the first time. I'm just going to level up a character and see what the builds are like. And I started playing it and not even worrying about the story. And then like, I'm like hours and hours into it. And Josh is talking to me about it. He's like, it's pretty good. Like, uh, the story's interesting too. I'm like, mm. is it? <laughs> I don't even it's, know. Yeah, it's pretty interesting. Yep. Yeah. I didn't catch every little bit of it. I also, you know, don't have the best memory, but yeah. I, I know like key points and, and like, you know, the reason for the, the different time shifts and stuff like that. So, yeah. So wrapping it back around, it, I can't even blame Diablo necessarily for my lack of, uh, paying attention to the story. Cause oh, it yeah, seems I'm not like blaming with, them at all. The, yeah. With the genre, it seems like it's a weak point of mine to just not pay attention to the stories. A whole yeah. Lot. I mean, obviously like the, is, is the game's job to try to captivate you a little bit in mm-hmm. that, but, um, you know, at the time I played those games, that was not my focus of the genre to, to pay attention to the story, uh, much. And, and honestly, the, the story always came off kind of like, pretty straightforward up until diablo 3 to be honest so um yeah uh i don't know if i have a a whole lot to say about this because it is literally just a story Mm -hmm. um video they seem passionate about it it looks like they put a lot of work into it from what i've heard from people it seems to be positive um in that regard of it um you know, and I think if you are looking forward to this game, that that's great. So, and you wish them the best. I do. I hope it's a great game for you. Fair enough. All right. Well, let us know in the comments what do you guys think about the behind the scenes of the story of Diablo Four. Are you guys excited for Diablo Four? Uh, if you played the beta, what was your favorite part about the beta? We can have that conversation again because I didn't play the last beta. I don't know what they did in terms of. Um, actually, I heard a little bit about it. I guess they uh, nerfed like three characters and buffed two of them i think the rogue druid and the sorcerer chick oh i'm sure it'll be treated like a service game and they'll be doing balance changes every couple yeah weeks. That's, that's the thing i'm like not that excited about when it comes to the game is they're gonna treat it like wow and overwatch where like one character that's viable now will be not viable later and then come back later and be overpowered and yeah. that just gets kind of exhausting for me so i mean i, I get balance or whatever but i also miss the days of just playing a game and characters were established and done at that point but um i get in like a pvp game sometimes because like obviously you got to make sure something's not unbalanced when you're against people but in co-op games i'm less less uh uh interested in it so but anyway uh let us know everything you think about when it comes to diablo 4 in the comments below all right it's that time again where we reflect reflect on past episodes and we reply to your comments so if you want your comment to be read for sure type in hashtag stlg so i could find your comment easily makes it easy for me and it also prioritizes your comment above the rest uh otherwise i read at random but we only have one video i'm going to be reading comments from uh this week and uh yeah we're just gonna go through that so uh this is from the last tasty cast which was 186 where we talked about game releases redfall uh phil spencer being down bad and we covered chrono odyssey which is a brand new uh mmo that uh you guys should definitely check out or check out this episode and see what we had to say about it but we got three comments uh about this and i'm gonna read them so the first one is from k uh chapel or yeah chapel uh saying outlast trials come out the 18th of may but it's early access to could be a hit or a miss but will most definitely be fun um I actually am glad that you commented this because 
this is a game that I've been wanting to try. I never got, I never got into the beta. And, uh, as of right now, it's a day away. So, um, I'll definitely be checking this out. This was not on, uh, my radar because I could play for us coming out. And when we did game releases this episode, it wasn't on that list. So, um, if it is in fact coming out on the 18th, uh, thanks for reminding me because, uh, it's a game I'm curious about. Uh, that's the next Outlast game, but it's like a multiplayer game. Mm. So I'm definitely interested in that. So, uh, do you have anything? Nothing. Oh, no. Yeah. Nothing off. Yeah. Okay. <coughs> thanks. Uh, thanks for the comment. Oh God, my throat. Um, all right. Next one is from psycho scream saying a very hot take. I think Xbox put too much of their focus on buying up gaming studios that they couldn't properly allocate funds to these phantom games they're working on. Same goes for Sony. They're trying to cock block Xbox at every turn and counter buy studios that the games uh, they got coming out are pretty much half-baked or less. Um, I don't know if it's a hot... I mean, it's a hot take in terms of like whatever side you're on, the opposite side is not going to be happy about what you're saying. But I do agree with you in terms of Xbox. I think a big problem with Xbox um, under Phil Spencer, and I think he's done a lot of good things, and I think Phil Spencer's great before anybody's like, oh, you're just a hater, blah, blah, blah. Um, I think Phil Spencer prioritized too hard on Game Pass, and it worked out because Game Pass is a very great value that I don't think makes them a whole lot of money, but uh, people like it, and it's definitely worth the the values there. Um, their system's really good, but that's one of their biggest things they prioritize. The second thing that they prioritize when people kept saying, you guys don't got games, where's the games, where's the games, where's the exclusives? is they did the Microsoft thing and they just bought studios who are already in the middle of making games. And so, you know, we can have discussion on whether they should do that or not. They did that. But the problem is, is for like two years now, two and a half years, uh, we've been told about all these games that all these studios that were supposed to be bringing all these awesome uh, AAA uh, games to Xbox. Uh, we've been hearing about these games coming, but we're not, we're not, we're not seeing them, let alone seeing gameplay of them. And so um, it comes into like, well, where, where are the games at? What happened to all those purchases you made? What was the point of all that? Um, it starts becoming kind of confusing. So um, as for the allocating funds, um, I don't know if they have problems allocating funds because Microsoft has plenty and they're willing to lose uh, money. Look at uh, their streaming service. They just dropped out of nowhere. Um but I think you have a point in terms of them focusing on buying up game studios. Um, so, yeah. And then uh, you said same goes for Sony. They're trying to cock block Xbox. They're definitely being Sony and combating Xbox. They're, they're very, uh, uh, very good at that. At every turn, encounter by studios that the games... Uh, they got coming out are pretty much half baked or less. Uh, they did buy a couple studios for sure. I think one of them that worked out for them pretty well is uh, Insomniac. Um, but they are buying a lot of little studios as well. But I do see them kind of, they have a strategy they're working towards. And I think it's too early to know if that's going to be beneficial for them or not. But it does seem like some of them might be half half baked for sure. Um But they're later in in this strategy than Xbox. So it's easier to be um a little more critical of where we're at with xbox but i i have a feeling outside of insomniac um like they bought uh or they're at least working with um that chick uh jade raymond who worked at ubisoft 
she's working on a i think a first person shooter for playstation i forgot the name of the dev now but that was like an acquisition thing or at least a dev being built by playstation i don't remember but uh we haven't seen shit on that hmm. so it's like where's that at so uh we're we're a couple years into this gen and it seems like i think playstation's done a pretty good job at rolling out games but like there's still a lot of like mystery on like so many games promised early on that's kind of crazy but uh but yeah i don't think it's too hot of a take but it's definitely a bold take uh that uh could definitely upset people um who don't agree with it so do you have anything you want to add to that um i guess i would just need examples of um not on the xbox side you know they're there's not really examples to give uh they're not releasing anything but uh, with the sony aspect of that uh the half baked or less i would i'm drawing a blank on anything that i've played of that's theirs recently that i would consider to be half baked um so i guess i would need examples on that one before having mm. a solid opinion but um he might be talking about too like they bought um they keep buying all these like little indie companies okay i don't know what they're putting out so maybe those were half baked yeah i'm ignorant on it so yeah i, was, I, don't, I don't i guess i just don't know where, uh at what aspect we're talking about there because yeah. uh, all i know of, of them so far is triple a games and those have all been pretty good so yeah i, I think you'd have a hard time arguing against that uh yeah. the pc ports are a different thing yeah. but so, uh, so i guess more clarity on that but uh, he he makes a decent point when he says and it'd be hard to not deny playstation cock blocking xbox um sony's always been aggressive they've always been aggressive in every department yeah um you should see their uh <laughs> it's funny because like uh i I buy a lot of Sony products, but like um, I'm also into photography and cameras and to watch their strategy that you see with PlayStation against Xbox translate over to Sony versus Canon and Nikon. It's the same thing. They're very, they wait until somebody makes their move and then they drop their thing Mm. and it's to undermine whatever the hell hype the person's trying to do. So do the same thing. Xbox, anytime Xbox has something to say, they're like, we got a big event coming up. And then, like, PlayStation two days later is like, we have a big event coming up. Right. And that big game you want to see, we're definitely going to show you. Um, Canon's like, oh, we got this brand new high-end camera. And everybody's like, oh, that's neat. And then two weeks later, Sony's like, we got a crazier camera coming out. It's like, <laughs> how long were you sitting on that? Um, I think they wait. So uh, It's kind of like the guy who makes all the hot chilies, how he's got, like, two steps yeah. ahead already made. He's playing ahead, yeah. yeah. I think Sony's really – I think it's part of the strategy. And, yeah. but. They've been making uh, tech for so yeah. long now that, uh, yeah, I think it's just part of part of how they run their business. Well, they, uh, they we saw play. that with the uh, PS4 versus the Xbox One. Um, that whole thing was dependent on what Xbox did, the way they announced the PS4. Well, and Sony went through a, a hard dip uh, in all their departments at one point, too. Sure. So, I mean, like, this is just, you know, them going, we can't do that again as well. So, yeah. Um, I think Microsoft's going through that dip right now. Um, and Nintendo went through it with Wii U. Like, so, um, yeah, I don't think Microsoft's going anywhere. Well, the thing that sucks <laughs> about the Xbox right now is the X- Xbox seems to be in recovery mode from the last gen because mm-hmm. that was their dip. Um, but it, it doesn't seem like a strong recovery yet. Yeah. People make arguments for game pass all the time, which yeah, it's great. But like, sure. We're talking about Xbox, the brand, 
Um, they have not recovered from the last gen still. They start pulling out a little bit, but we're not even the Xbox people are like, where's the games at? Sure. And if um, and if you are the type of person who looks at Game Pass and go, Well, this is Xbox now, well that that's fine. You and you can be you know happy with that all you yeah. want. But there there are people like you're you're saying that there's all these games that Microsoft is like, hey, we're making these first party games, regardless of acquisition or not, they're first yeah. party games now. Uh, but they're just not happening. So, yeah, the only problem with the when people are like Game Pass is Xbox now, that's fine. You can have that opinion, and you can argue that Xbox has that strategy going forward. But when someone criticizes Xbox, don't be quick to defend Xbox if you're ready to abandon ship for Game Pass. Because mm-hmm. fucking in the realm of other consoles that exist already, the Xbox is a relevant conversation to have. And so, if you're ready to just be like, well, that's not Xbox anymore. Game Pass is don't get upset when they talk about it then yeah microsoft made the decision to put that out the way they did that was part of their strategy they planned that for years and they executed on it for years um and so if it's not uh meeting the standards of other people buying other consoles and people on xbox are ready to be like well game pass is where they went well then forget about xbox then but they won't do that so it's that conversation just doesn't go anywhere so Mm. um but then i think also with the cock block thing he's talking more recently with the um major acquisition xbox is going for and of course sony uh had a problem with that i think they um are being more dramatic than they need to be but they're trying to win and so when they're saying like we can't produce a call of duty we can't blah 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 well you're not trying first off uh you're just you just don't want to lose and they wouldn't lose it. Xbox already said they wouldn't, but um, they don't. They don't want to lose their exclusivity and control and ability to make money off of COD. Because who the fuck would want to just lose that avenue? Um, but when they're like, "We can't do this. It's gonna destroy," our... they're only saying that because legally that gives them an edge. And so, yeah, they're being dramatic. Um, yeah, that's also an obvious. But it is a it, cock block. It is, um, you know, Sony and Microsoft. But this is also like their lawyers <laughs> doing this sure. stuff so uh well it was uh but i think i think sony wasn't even the big problem i think at the u not the uk the the eu or whatever mm-hmm. you, someone in europe is the issue with yeah but sony's sony was over there to advocate I'm, sh- I'm sure they were yeah um and when people like talking shit about them I'm like why wouldn't they though like if they can make it so they can't get that and give them that edge. I, if you're rooting for Xbox, you want that to happen. If you're rooting against Xbox, you don't want it to happen. But in, on a business level, it makes no sense for Sony to not try and get involved with that because they already had business relations with the properties that they're purchasing. Now it's going to affect their business. So of course they're going to try and battle. It doesn't matter if you fucking agree with them or not. They're still going to try and they should. Whether they win or lose. I mean, it's just not, like Xbox, if they want to spend the money and fucking purchase that and it's fucking legal to do that, whether you want them to do that or not, they're going to fucking do it because they see a strategy there and they see that it's going to help their business. Well, sure. It was the, I mean, it's the same idea. Like, it's going to be a weird example, but like, you know, when Monster Energy Drink sued Bang over wording on a label. They, they didn't they do saw that. an opportunity. Yeah, they didn't do that because they they were looking out for the consumers out there yeah. to, about the the advertising on the label. Monster was like, "Hey, there's an opportunity to get rid of competition." That's literally all that is. 
is it like regardless of how you feel about it that that's that's the reality of it so yeah it's just like uh talking about drinks and business um if i mean pepsi is popular now but like coke has the edge on pepsi still because back in the day when pepsi showed up mm. pepsi wanted access to the the coca that they used for oh, yeah. flavoring in coca-cola but coca-cola has like the rights to it like nobody else can have it mm. and so pepsi had to make their own uh they couldn't make a drink similar to it they had to make their own thing that's why they taste so different um that is that fair no it's not but coca-cola was able to do that yeah. so um yeah businesses businesses are going to do what they can do to get leverage and to uh, benefit themselves so it's uh it's messy but uh, a lot of people would argue too that buying activision blizzard's ridiculous so and then also playstation you know whining a lot to try and get them to not be able to do it a lot of people aren't happy with it so it's all it's all kind of messy but um yeah overall i mean i pretty much agree with the gist of what you're saying in terms of like you know xbox's focus could have been better but who am i i don't run anything except for this channel and uh yeah sony is definitely reacting to them for sure and they're gonna because like i said all their departments are like this so it's definitely a sony strategy so anything else you want to say all right, thank you for the comment, Psycho Scream. And the last one we got is from Ego Border. It's a big one, so we're going to go uh, piece by piece here. Uh, first part says, oh, God, I messed my contact up. Um, it's no exaggeration or insult to call Redfall a Nintendo 64 game. I say this specifically because I remember Time Splitters made by some of the GoldenEye 64 uh, devs releasing on the GameCube. And even though that game was clearly unfinished and nailed the feel of GE's weight, weighty console shooting uh while evolving everything about weapons animations and general presentation what was missing was the coherent story or even scenario for the campaign but it was hard to feel uh entirely fleeced especially with uh mp what's that saying anpa anpa yeah the level creator redfall is a regression to the scope of an n64 game in almost every respect AI, mission design, presentation, accessibility, quality assurance had a shocking fail here uh, down a pretty long uh, corporate line. It's confusing because uh, Microsoft could take a loss and make it free-to-play curiosity. Hey, guys, Arcane made this in their spare time. How about a horror loot shooter you can expect even uh, monthly content for either way. Sorry, my contact is like messed up. So I'm trying to read this, uh, either way without condoning any contact aside, then greeting arcane coldly until they redeem them, redeem themselves. Redfall is an insulting release. Uh, it was promoted and they even took pre-orders for this crap, but even for free, it felt like it was a waste of time for the first or for the three hours i tried it oh so you did play it edit oh yeah how about the scummy cg trailer even though final release had no cutscenes. yeah it's kind of a shitty tactic some people use uh last part says as a sony diehard you might expect me to cheer microsoft failure but i've always enjoyed the healthy competition agreed and in terms of sony extorting exclusivity from uh eastern devs publishers and sinking microsoft activision purchase it brings me no joy to enjoy a brand knowing uh enjoy a brand knowing other games had a shitty selection for spite i mean i that last part i agree with you 100 percent um 
I, I we talk about it all the time, and mm-hmm. I'm sure you know at this point. Um, we also think competition is important. Healthy competition is a good way to put it. Um, you don't want just one person doing everything. Um, and when you see someone as big as Microsoft and you know the Xbox brand uh, having problem after problem after problem, and then you're seeing PlayStation having like these wins outside of the PC sector. Obviously, they're having issues with like uh, some of their releases there. Um, it's not fun. I know like people who are into like console war shit, uh, they enjoy the wins and the, and the, the W's and L's. Um, but for me, I want, uh, there's a whole other avenue of games that could be developed and I get to play and enjoy that can come from Xbox and same thing with Sony. And if one person does something really good, the other person might do something even better. And that just makes gaming better for me as a player. And so, yeah, I don't, I'm never like, oh man, Microsoft's doing bad. That's awesome. Or like, oh man, Sony really fucked up. That's awesome. Like that's not, that's not positive for anybody. It's only positive if you enjoy the idea that other people are having a bad time and that's shitty. So, um, yeah, I agree with you there. Uh, the 64 analogy is really interesting. Um, and you're right about the, uh, the quality assurance and that they just put this thing out in this uh in this way it is 100 insulting in my opinion um regardless of if you like this game i've talked to people who enjoyed redfall on launch i talked to a lot of people who did not like it and were very critical of it but regardless of where you stand there the way the game came out should not be supported um if you already pre-ordered it or you bought it and you're okay with accepting it, that's fine, but we should still look at how it came out and really want to reject that. I saw a lot of people talking about how they were rethinking pre-orders. This is something me and you have just been on for a long time, many generations of gaming. Um, Not a big pre-order guy, but uh, it's good that that conversation's happening because what are you doing when you're pre-ordering? You're giving them money for something they haven't even proven yet. And so uh, this is a game in that case, and uh, it came out in a horrendous state. It is an insult. Even if you don't, if you're like, eh, it's not that bad, it's still an insult because they took your money and they gave you something broken. Um, and this isn't me picking on Redfall. Plenty of games come out broken. This yeah. is not something that we should accept. This is something that we should always be fucking critical of. Even if you're enjoying the game, you should be critical of it. Mm. My review or our review of Wild Hearts, a game I gave an A minus, I complained throughout that whole review about the stuttering and said it's unacceptable, right? And so I bought the game I'm playing and I'm enjoying it, but I'm still vocal about things that I think are completely wrong with it because it shouldn't have that stutter. And in fact, a new patch just came out and I think it did a bunch of performance stuff, has DLSS now and shit. So let's hope, fingers crossed, they fix it. But, uh, yeah, I, I'm somebody who's able to uh, look at something and go, I like it, but it's, it's got some problems. Like Cyberpunk. I think Cyberpunk's fantastic. It was broken for a lot of people when it came out. It's unacceptable. Um, same thing with Redfall. Redfall, we all watched the video. Um, there's a lot of problems with that game. And hopefully they fix some of it. But um, regardless of if you're liking it or not, everybody should understand that the game should have not launched like that. It should have been delayed. Um, because they released a broken product to people uh, and took their money. And even Phil Spencer said that. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you should definitely be 
making it right for the people who who spent money. That's sure. that, that, like, and you should be somewhat, you know, happy about that. Um, but we shouldn't be just accepting every game shouldn't be, you know, a Final Fantasy fourteen, a No Man's Sky. Like they these games should be coming out playable when they come out, yeah. not completely broken and then like having to have a comeback story. Like this this shouldn't be the standard. So it's one thing I love about Steam is uh I'll uh, I'll buy a game on there, and I buy a lot of early access games. And sometimes there's problems; it doesn't work right. Connection to like whatever online servers doesn't work very well. It's got servers or whatever. I'll refund it, and I'll type. Uh, you don't have to, but I always type in as feedback. I'm like, game's broken. I can't. I'm not going to play it like this. I'll get my money back. I'll go buy something else. Um, but you know, that gives me the ability to get my money back from that person. But then if they fix the game later, I'll pick it up later. So um, because I do have the ability to do it there. Um, I'm able to choose to not support that even after I bought it. So, yeah. Um, as for the free to play thing, uh, that's an interesting thing too. What do you think about them? Like retro? Well, they have to refund the game, but I mean, they didn't refund people for Battleborn. True. So yeah, that's a tough thing. I, I just feel like Microsoft has the funds to be able to do that like refund purchases of I, I feel like most people played on game pass anyway. So I think the biggest problem with the free to play discussion is that um, if it was never in the initial plan, that's not an easy, it's actually not an easy fix transition. Yeah. Um, typically what you'll see is a service game come out with the intent of being premium and a backup plan of being free. Um, so I, I doubt they were thinking about it with this. So, yeah yeah i've seen some games kind of transition over but um i think as like a way to try and give back to the people who feel maybe wronged by the game it would be nice to go free to play but a lot of those people probably if they did buy the game already didn't refund it so you're just kind of fucking them over anyway so maybe if it would have came out free to play uh it would have been decent but i don't think on release, whether it be free to play or premium, like it did come out as, uh, if they're willing to release it, they're willing to release it as it was. Mm. Um, and so I don't think they really cared a whole lot. I think they cared about the reception they got after and that made them go, Oh shit, this was like worse than we thought it was. So, and then, uh, when it comes to the CG trailer thing, um, I've seen some games do that before too. Uh, that's just disingenuous. And, uh, that on top of what they released paints a pretty negligent picture in my opinion whether it's uh on purpose or not i don't know but i doubt it was but uh it seems like a lot of things were uh, overlooked that shouldn't have been and there's no excuse for it so yeah yeah anything else Mm-mm. all right well thank you for uh that ego border there's a lot of uh, a lot of good stuff in there worth talking about thank you everybody who commented on this episode and thank you everybody who watched that episode uh but yeah i think it's gonna do it for this episode of taste cast episode 187 as always thank you for watching guys thank you for joining me chevy Mm -hmm. until next episode uh have a good one guys and take it easy let's jump to the outro all right that's gonna do it for this episode of taste cast episode 187 as always thank you for watching make sure to like and subscribe if you enjoyed this episode make sure to check out our other episodes check us out on our socials and streams linked down below check out our discord link down below you can talk to us anytime all the time we're on it 
iTunes, Spotify, and other podcast platforms if you prefer to listen to us. And we have a Patreon if you'd like to support the channel more than liking, commenting, sharing, and subscribing if you're brand new. Also, check out my TikTok link down below. I do a couple weekly shorts there that are always a lot of fun. You guys saw one at the beginning of this episode. Hopefully, you enjoyed that. And uh, yeah, do all the liking, commenting stuff. We really appreciate it. And uh, until the next episode, have a good one, guys, and take it easy.